This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Air Carlson in their keeper pools. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and once again, I am not joined by Brian Com. He is still on paternity leave, so we're not going to be joined by the Ad Drop Ace or the IPP NBP, but what, instead, we are joined by the exposure evangelist himself, Pete Jensen, senior fantasy editor at NHL.com, host of the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast, which I just recently listened to. Really great show. I already said his name, but I'll say it again. Welcome, Pete Jensen. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to fill in. Uh, and this is a great podcast that I've been listening to for a long time. I've been on, I think, a couple of times. And uh, it's always a pleasure to collaborate with you and uh, do something that so many of the fans enjoy, whether they follow me, whether they follow you guys or listen to both podcasts, which I know a lot of people do. Uh, it's a really great thing for fan engagement for the league. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, no, the pleasure is definitely all mine and ours and, and the listeners. Like you're a big wig over NHL. You like know what's going on. I'm expecting for you to tell me, for example, like how long is Ricard Raquel really going to be injured? Like I'm going to have questions like that that no one else could tell me the answers to. So yeah, this is great. And yeah, I think your podcast is really good. Uh, why don't you tell people what it's about quickly before we get into, we've got a huge, maybe I'll just uh, set up the show first and then actually. So we've got a huge slate of stuff to talk about all the injuries, outjuries, hot streaks, cold streaks. We've got, we've got a big long list. Pete's going to join me all the way to the end. Normally we have you on as like an interview and we run it through players by, but this is the first time it's been just me and you doing the full slate. So I'm super excited for it. But yeah, you've got the Fantasy on Ice podcast where you cover both daily fantasy and season long leagues. It's a pretty unique podcast. There's no podcast like it. Like you pretty much go through every single game and describe who you would add in daily fantasy for that game. Yeah, it's fun because it's usually two separate worlds, the DFS and the season long. But uh, myself and Rob Reese, we both cover this Thing from top to bottom, day in, day out. We sit next to each other every day. It's a really fun thing to collaborate on and hit uh, our audience on a new platform. So yeah, it's twice a week. Uh, sometimes we it varies by day, but it's usually Tuesdays covering Tuesday night games, which is usually a big loaded slate. And then also Fridays uh, covering the Friday night games and also the big Saturday slate. So we try to touch on anything that's relevant in season-long leagues, uh, from waiver wire pickups to injury replacements. Uh, there have been a lot of injury replacements lately, and we're going to get to a lot of them on this show. Uh, but, yeah, the DFS lineups, we usually do like a 
you know, sleeper picks, value picks against the grain. And then we have like our lineups and everything, center, wing, D, goalie. Uh, it's a tough thing to predict, but uh, we've we've hit some nice returns. Uh, we're getting a lot of good feedback. And if you play any type of fantasy format, give us a, a shout out. Give us a subscription. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's a it's a fun thing that we're working really hard on. Yeah, for sure. And hey, we do our shows on Sundays. Then you come out Tuesday and Friday. So between these episodes, you you get the whole week covered. Definitely. All right. So let's get started with our slate for this week. I'm going to ask you about Daily Fantasy in a little bit. We're going to talk about FanDuel in around an hour. And so then I can ask you for some tips about why I'm so bad at it. But in the meantime, I want to start with some hot streaks and cold streaks to start the week. And I feel like there's been some weird stuff happening with goalies like all season long. To me, this seems like the weirdest season for goalies in my whole career as a, as a podcaster, whatever you'd want to call this silly career that I'm making up here. But like, if I would have even told you just a month ago that, oh yeah, in a month from now, Mike Smith is going to be one of the hottest goalies in the league and Devin Dubnik is going to be totally flaming out. You'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Smith is the best. And now all of a sudden, totally flipped. And yeah, so let's start with these. Let's talk with, about these two guys. So Mike Smith in Calgary, up to November 15th, he had played 13 games, had a save percentage well below 900, just terrible. He hadn't put together two good starts in a row all season. And because of this, Dave Riddick got four starts in a row, of which he won three of four, and he looked great. And at this point, Smith was looking like he was getting dropped everywhere in all of my leagues, including in my Tier 2 Ottawa Cupful division, a very competitive league with the Keeping Carlson patrons. Of course, I'm dumb. I didn't add him. Someone else added him. And then Smith went and picked up a 6-1 win over Arizona. And then Riddick lost 4-3 to Dallas. And now Smith has gone on to play and win the next five games, including a shutout over Minnesota on Thursday and a 5-2 win over Nashville yesterday. There was like a 9-6 game versus Columbus in there last week. I'm sure a lot of people remember that. Riddick got the start but got pulled quickly. And then Smith wasn't even that great, but he got the win because of a ton of goal support. So, okay. All of that. That's like the story of what's been going on lately with Riddick and Mike Smith. So where do we stand now? Like, is Mike Smith basically a must own in every league where he was dropped or are we back to like the start of the season in terms of evaluating Mike Smith like I'm it's unlikely he's probably even available at this point after five wins in a row so maybe the better question I should ask you is is he a sell high like can he even keep this up I'm not sure he can keep it up to this extent but he is back in the driver's seat for the Flames who should be a playoff team I mean they should have been a playoff team last year in my opinion uh, they have the defense. They've had that defensive core for a long time. Giordano's having a Norris Trophy caliber season. And uh, to me, yeah, Mike Smith is the higher caliber goalie. It was a nice hot streak for David Riddick. But yeah, for Mike Smith, his numbers have still not been nearly as good as, he, as they could have been, as many people expected. But his health is so key. Um, and remember, their season kind of went off the rails last year when he got injured at the wrong time they were kind of in the playoff hunt and then they went off the rails so Mike Smith I think is very crucial to this team even in the veteran stages of his career um, he steps up for these big games I mean Mike Smith I think even being like 35 years old he's in a contract year he has a lot of motivation hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time so yeah Mike Smith uh, I think he's back in the in the fold and back in the driver's seat for the Calgary Flames. So uh, it's kind of nice to see because he was really off to a slow start to begin the season. But, yeah, and his save percentage is still under 900, so a lot of room for continued improvement. And, uh, yeah, for the Flames, it's it's really nice to see Coach Bill Peters put all the pieces together because this has always been a great top line, but their secondary scoring has been better. Uh, their power play, I think, has taken a step forward. So, yeah, Mike Smith and the Calgary Flames seem like they're 
on the right track finally for a team that uh, has really not lived up to expectations uh, for the past couple of years. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, congratulations to everyone who was smart enough to grab Mike Smith when he was getting dropped or trading for him, like spending pennies on the dollar to get him. What do people do if they've been holding on to Dave Riddick this whole time? Like, he's still, like, his numbers are good, right? He's an 8 2 and one record. He's a 9-19 save percentage. But at this point, is he just, like, the clear backup? Drop him if there's other, you know, unless it's a super deep league where backups are owned. But assuming it's a league where generally only starting goalies are owned, is it time to give up on Dave Riddick? Or do you still think there's, is there like a chance that he could start stealing starts back from Mike Smith? Or is it pretty much over for Riddick? From what you said about Mike Smith, I have a feeling the answer is that people could probably drop him. I wouldn't be so quick to cut the cord on David Riddick. I mean, the season-long leagues can change ever so quickly. There were... You know, two weeks ago, one of my season-long leagues, I had Ben Bishop, Roberto Luongo, Casey DeSmith, uh, you know, guys like that, and Mike Smith. So uh, things have changed so drastically just in two weeks with two guys returning from injury. Mike Smith is an older guy, so he's prone to injury. So Riddick has proven that he can uh, carry the mantle very nicely uh, when needed. So uh, Smith, is he deserves this opportunity here as the veteran and a contract year guy, but uh, I wouldn't be so quick to drop David Riddick altogether because I think there are somewhere between 25 to 28 uh, fantasy relevant goalies in standard leagues. And Mike Smith and David Riddick right now are two of them. So uh, that's kind of my take on Riddick and his value moving forward. If you're in a a shallow league, maybe cut the cord. uh, But generally I like to keep at least four goalies on a deep league roster. Uh, That's just my feeling. It's kind of like why I would keep a UC Soros or an Aaron Dell. If I have a Pecorine, you know, or a Martin Jones, I just think the security blanket is so important especially when you might not have anywhere to turn if one guy gets injured. Yeah, that's a good point. So in a deeper league, especially because Calgary's looking like a good team. And yeah, it, we've seen it so often this year. All of a sudden, the goalie's doing so well. Yaroslav Halak, for a while, was like no one was able to get a puck by him. Now he's, I guess, struggling a little bit, at least in comparison to Tuka Rask. Like, things change so quickly with these goalies. Like Aiden Hill, like earlier in the week, we were talking about Aiden Hill. Is he like the best goalie in the whole entire universe? And now it's like, oh, I guess he's probably not that good because he had like two bad games. So who knows? You're right. Like Mike Smith could have a bad game and Riddick could be back in. But right now, it's obviously a tough hold on David Riddick. And I guess you have to compare him to the other goalies goalies in free agency and see if he'll stand out or if he will, you know, stay there until something happens. Uh, But since we're on Calgary, I wanted to take a second to talk about like how amazing is this top line and this top power play? Like a lot of people, you were talking on your podcast about the Colorado top line and top power play, which is of course the best in the league. Like they're so fantastic with McKinnon and company, but uh, I should say maybe should we start saying Rantanen and company? Rantanen is the guy who's leading the league in points, (laughs) but yeah, Calgary, like really, really amazing. Like in 30 games at this point, Goudreau has 39 points. Monaghan has 35. Elias Lindholm has 34. Kachuk has 33 from the top power play. Mark Giordano has 29 points in 29 games. He's still got one game left on his suspension for kneeing Miko Koivu. But the guy I really want to talk about here is Elias Lindholm because like no one expected him to be this good this year. We were even discussing whether it was going to be him or James Neal on the top line. He's now put up five straight multi-point games going into today. So Calgary's playing Edmonton today, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, we had a question on Twitter recently from BP asking about a trade of Elias Lindholm for Nicholas Backstrom. And I was just, first of all, blown away by like that these guys are even being discussed in the same conversation. And second, 
I was kind of like in a league, especially where centers, you know, are deep and the, the right wing eligibility of Lindholm makes a difference. I was kind of leaning Lindholm. I don't know if that's crazy, but like this guy's for real, right? Like, I mean, he's going to stick on this line. I don't see why not. And he seems to be a real player. He's going to be this year's Miko Rantanen. Yeah, Elias Lindholm has been outstanding. And you, it's always funny when you look back at it at the beginning of the season, when you start to look at uh, plan A, plan B, plan C, what could work out, what could not. I mean, Elias Lindholm was a guy that maybe was on the cusp of a top 200 rankings, just inside, just outside, as things were trending in the offseason. You knew his capability. A couple of years ago when he was with Carolina, he was, I think, top 10 or 15 in primary assists in the whole league. But uh, so he's always been that quiet guy that has been uh, unheralded, but he has just taken his game to a completely different level uh, for Calgary. He's rounded out that unit that for years was just Goudreau and Monaghan uh, producing when Monaghan was healthy. And I mean, he's just been more than a third wheel. He's been, he's taken that whole line to a different uh, gear. So yeah, Elias Lindholm, I wouldn't quite trade him for Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, I think Backstrom has proven whether he's on the first line, second line, whether Kuznetsov's injured or not, he's always going to be that top 25, top 30, a reliable elite center. So I view Backstrom, I can, I, every year I say this, but Backstrom continues to prove his worth as an elite player and uh, one of the most unheralded elite players in the in the history of the game, maybe. I think he's just a perennial underrated player. So, but yeah, Elias Lindholm, uh, it's, it's funny. We do our uh, top 25 line rankings. And now with the Bergeron injury to Boston, I mean, other than the Colorado line, they're number two and they've been number two for a few weeks now, that Calgary line of Goudreau, Monaghan and Lindholm. Uh, Buffalo's playing really well uh, as well in terms of their top line scoring. I know they're on a losing streak right now, but uh, yeah, those are the top three right now. Colorado one, Calgary two, and Buffalo three with the Skinner, Reinhardt, Eichel line. Yeah, we'll bring them up a bit later. But yeah, it's pretty wild what's going on in Calgary. And, you know, obviously kudos for Elias Lindholm. Like, uh, Brian, I feel like my, my co-host uh, sort of started starting to poo-poo Lindholm, saying, you know, like I, we've seen enough from him to see that he's not, you know, a super elite player. And he did last year get to play with Ajo, but Ajo was still like, just a rookie or in a second year. You know? So now we're really seeing Lindholm in a great situation with great players and seeing what he can do. So we'll see if he can keep it up for the rest of the season. But it's getting to a point where I kind of feel like he should be able to. Uh, one last note on the Flames I wanted to ask you about. We can't all be sunshine and lollipops, right? Like we have to talk about, like, okay, right. though TJ Brody was on a really nice run. So he was sunshine and lollipops, six points mm-hmm. in six games. But now he only has one point in his last four games going into today. And that was actually with being on the top power play yesterday with Giordano out. He wasn't able to get anything. Do you see any reason to expect Brody to be worth holding at this point? Or was that just that like weird six game point stretch? Like, was that just a typical hot spurt that's going to be followed by a typical Brody long drought of pointlessness? Like I saw his, you know, percent ownership really spiking over this past week, but I really just can't imagine TJ Brody becomes an offensive defenseman in the league at this point. Yeah, I'm, I've never been a big TJ Brody fan for uh, fantasy purposes. I mean, he doesn't ca- he doesn't cover many categories. Maybe if you're in a league that counts just points, uh, he has some relevance. But uh, he's not a guy that I would put in my top 50 defenseman rankings right now. Uh, he hasn't been in, in ours for our site. So uh, I just think he's mostly an assist guy. Maybe if he's on the power play, he'll chip in some of that, but he's not a guy that brings hits, not a guy that brings penalty minutes, not a guy that brings shots on goal, which is really important no matter what kind of fantasy format you play, DFS, 
or whatnot. But uh, yeah, TJ Brody, I would probably take a pass with him, try to find uh, somebody out there. Like I know Ryan Pulak scored a power play goal on Saturday night, assisted by, or he chipped in on the power play. Uh, I think he was on a unit with Bailey and uh, Matthew Barzell. So he's someone who's out there. He's been racking up some assists lately. I would rather go with a higher upside guy like that. Um, you know, that's just one example. But, uh, yeah, I think there are better options out there no matter what league you play in uh, than TJ Brody. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Go for someone with the upside. I just, yeah, TJ Brody, we've seen it time and time again. Every once in a while he goes on a run, but it never lasts. If you added him and you got a, a piece of some of that offense, that's great. But I think, yeah, you could look to elsewhere. Uh, one last Calgary note. we got to move on to some other teams here. Uh, <laughs> Mikhail Backlund is injured. He's going through concussion protocol, so we don't know when he'll be back. Uh, Matthew Kachuk was being centered by Derek Ryan yesterday. So just wanted to throw out that name. If you need like a super deep stream or like a cheap fan duel play, Calgary plays Wednesday, Saturday. And Sunday, so maybe take a look at Derek Ryan if he's still centering that second line. But okay, I started the show by saying how Mike Smith is high and Devin Dubnik is low. So I want to ask you now about Devin Dubnik. He was five two and one with a nine thirty seven save percentage through October, and since then five and seven with a sub eight eighty save percentage. So he's totally fallen off. Like he had one good game in his last seven, and that was against Vancouver. Aside from that, like he was pulled eight minutes into Friday's game versus Edmonton after letting in three goals on six shots. If you're a Devin Dubnik owner, is there like anything you could do at this point? Like, there's no way you can drop him. If you've seen him dropped, are you still like assuming that he's going to get back to being good? I'm saying it's still like we all thought that he was a pretty good goalie at the start of the year. Do you just rush to add him or do you try to buy low at this point? Or do you have any actual deep seated concerns that Devin Dubnik won't be able to bounce back? I think he'll be able to weather the storm. I mean, Minnesota's a team that I trust uh, year in and year out, at least in the regular season. I'll make that clear. The postseason's always different. But, yeah, Dubnik, I think, uh, is in a rough stretch right here. Uh, he's allowed four plus go- uh, three-plus goals in you know six of his past seven games. So it's, uh, it's a tough stretch for them. But they're one of the deepest teams this season in terms of their forward group, their top six is strong, their defense is strong, and he has proven that he is a wins juggernaut over the past uh, three, four seasons with Minnesota. So uh, he's not a guy I would sell low on. I think you have to be patient with someone like that. He's one of those year in and year out top 10 to 12 fantasy goalies, workhorse guys. Uh, they have nothing behind him. There's no threat. Alex Stalock's not a threat, in my opinion. So, yeah, Devin Dubnik, stick out the rough times because I think he'll reward you in the end. Yeah, I agree. And maybe you could even try to get him for cheap from another owner if you need Definitely. a goalie. If the Dubnik owner has already a lot of goalies, they might be willing to sell him at this point. Uh, most of the Wild, though, also have been struggling. So it's not only Dubnik, with the exception of Mikhail Granlund, who's at a point per game, he's having an amazing year. And how about Zach Parise, who's played all but one game so far? He's 24 points. That's a 70-point pace. What a steal for anyone who grabbed him at the end of their drafts. Like, no one was really thinking Parise was going to be able to do it. Like, he's been injured so much of the past few seasons. I'm really happy to see. Like, you were saying you were happy to see Mike Smith putting up some good numbers. I wouldn't have wanted to see Zach Parise just end his career, like, with a whimper being injured. Now we're seeing back at his, like, elite level that we're used to. Do you think that Parise can keep this up for the rest of the way? Or maybe should we, like, assume that maybe this is the peak and, and it could only go down from here? I mean, he's one of those guys like uh, I know with Jaden Schwartz is a comparable. He's so he can be so 
great when he's healthy, uh, but then the injuries come back. I mean, I, I really hope that this is a different trend for him. That said, I would say Zach Parisi is a glaring sell-high candidate. If you can reap the returns of maybe a slumping uh, elite player or a, not a slumping elite player, maybe like, like say if you could trade Zach Parisi for like a Jamie Benn or something, I would oh, sure yeah. as heck do it. Uh, that's just my opinion. Zach Parisi has been one of the best stories of the, of, in the league in terms of, you always look at leading into fantasy drafts is there, you always look at the young players for sleepers, but sometimes there are sneaky veterans. And I think he's going to be uh, heading into next year, even no matter what happens, he's going to be one of those prime examples of veteran players, especially at the forward position that can come out of nowhere. I mean, nobody trusted Zach Parisi coming into this year I would be surprised if he was drafted in standard leagues, maybe deeper leagues he was drafted. Uh, But yeah, he's been a great bounce back candidate, uh, whether he's mostly been on that second line, but yeah, he's been so consistent. He's been getting points almost every night. So a great story there for a former elite player who's uh, seems to be returning back into form. Yeah. And you're saying like he's been consistent. That's not the same for some other players in Minnesota. Like Dumba was so hot. He's kind of been cold lately. Suter, Zucker, all these guys are, you know, not producing, but Zach Freezy just keeps putting up points. Not to, you know, ring the alarm bells on those other guys I just said, but yeah, hopefully Minnesota will bounce back and it'll be good for Dubnik and the rest of those guys. Uh, okay. So I, it's funny in the chat room here, Alex is saying goalies suck as we talk. <laughs> it's true. It's so hard to predict. So I've got a few more goalies with news to talk about, but I'll try to like just get through them and then we'll talk talk about some other players on their team that are maybe a little easier to predict, but we got to mention Roberto Luongo who returned from his knee injury on Tuesday, came back with a bang. He shut out the Bruins five, nothing stopping all 33 shots against him. The next two games, Less impressive, unfortunately. One of them against Colorado. I mean, that wouldn't have been hard to predict that he was going to let in a bunch of goals against Colorado. In fact, maybe it was even impressive. He only let in four goals in that game. And then the Rangers yesterday was a 5-4 shootout loss. So Luongo took that loss. What do you make of Luongo's value at this point in the season? Like he's a starting goalie on a team that's capable of scoring a lot of goals. Like there doesn't seem to be a concern that he's going to get the run support, but he's very injury prone. He's got a 906 save percentage so far on the year. So he could have bad games, but he's also shown he's still capable of good games we've had actually a bunch of questions on twitter and in our facebook group of like luongo versus jake allen recently with allen being maybe like a mike smith type was heated up lately but he's on a worse team than luongo so i'm curious like to get your sense of luongo and maybe how he compares to someone like like a jake allen who you know has always struggled but maybe is less injury prone like how much do you even weigh injuries when you're deciding on goalies in fantasy yeah you have to weigh injuries i mean jake allen has a better chance of staying healthy the rest of the way. No question with Luongo being 39 years old. But uh, yeah, to me, Luongo, I really do trust the Florida Panthers. I trust their second half value. Uh, I know that they've been really up and down, but I think their first power play unit is very strong. Their their offense in general is deep. We still even haven't seen like a Henrik Borgstrom come up uh, from the AHL, which has been surprising. I think that's probably going to happen at some point. Uh, especially with Trocheck out long term, but yeah, for Luongo, I think uh, I was disappointed by him. But the thing is, he he's been in and out of the lineup. He's been the production trends have been all over the place for him. I I still view him in maybe that fifteen to twenty range among goalies, which is uh, someone you want to hold on to. I mean, you hope that he stays healthy, and when he is healthy, has he has a great chance of you know getting the job done for you most nights. I mean. 
that was a disappointing game against the Rangers. I mean, he let off a couple of softies in that game, uh, which was not good to see because the Rangers were on a, like a five-day break going into that game. But give Luongo some time. Last year, he was one of the hottest goalies down the stretch of the fantasy season. So, And I think Florida has a little bit of bounce-back appeal overall. If they get rolling here, and they are, we've already seen signs of it with Huberto rejoining Barkov. I think it's a good offense that you'll want to have in front of them. There's no question about it that I would rather have Luongo than Jake Allen. The Blues are really uh, going in the wrong direction here. They have a lot of injuries, and Jake Allen has been kind of uh, their Achilles heel for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. uh, these pa- past couple of years. Yeah, I'm with you. I guess you just got to go with Luongo because he has so much upside to help you down the stretch, like you said, and just cross your fingers that he can yep. stay healthy. No uh, collisions, hopefully. That's been the worst part about it for him. Yeah, people stay away from Roberto, okay? He's an old guy. <laughs> just let him do his job. Uh, but you mentioned these forwards and this guy's getting bumped around, Huberto getting back on the top line. Last week, we had another special guest, Cam Robinson, and we discussed the Florida Lions and how Huberto bumped Dadanov from the top line. And we were saying, oh, that's great for Huberto, maybe not so great for Dad. Dadunov, though, it looks like yesterday there was another little switch up where Dadunov was back on the top line and it was Mike Hoffman being bumped to the second line or whatever to play with Malgin and McCann. But I feel like at this point, should we just say it's not worth worrying about the line combos? It seems like they're clearly in flux. Now we've seen like all three of these potential line mates for Alex Barkov playing on the first or second line. Like, do you have a ranking of these three? If you had to say like, if you could choose one of Huberto, Dadunov, Hoffman, who's the one you'd want? Because like, the Flames are like, you know, actually, when you're talking about all these teams with the best top lines, like Florida's got to be among them, right? Like among the Flames, like Barkov with two of Hoffman, Hubert, Dadanov. These are three gate players and they're always getting points. Yeah, they're a top 10 line in the league for sure, no matter what combination it is. I mean, they're all on the first power play. So that's a really good thing for their staying power. Even if one of them gets bumped off, like Hoffman has... Uh, in this case, or Dadanov was like Dadanov got bumped off for a few games and he was still on like a five game point streak the other day. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of faith in those four guys. I mean, I would probably favor Huberto over the other two uh, behind Barkov, but that's just me. I think that uh, Huberto has proven that he can play with Barkov. He could be productive with Trocek. I know Trocek's out, but I still have some faith in the depth scoring of Florida and how they can help him remain fantasy relevant uh, no matter what line he's playing on. I have some worries about Mike Hoffman if he's on that. Uh, I mean, he's probably the guy that I would uh, trust the least out of those other three, even though he had that long point streak. I just worry about him if he doesn't have good line mates. So, uh, yeah, that's just me. I would probably lean Huberto over Dadanov and uh, Mike Hoffman. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's no insult to Hoffman to say he's third behind Huberdeau and Dadanov, two probably point-per-game players. I wanted to bring up a couple of defensemen on Florida. Of course, Yandel has been fantastic, just like we predicted he would be that top power play. is so great with all these guys we've just been talking about. Though we haven't seen some production lately from Mike Matheson and Aaron Ekblad. They've both been putting up points lately as well. Both playing like also over 20 minutes a game, both second power play guys, like a lot in common here. Matheson has four points in his last five games. Ekblad actually has goals in two straight and 11 points in his last 14, which is very nice. 
both overall have 13 points. So maybe that's the end of all of the ways that they're the same. But I am curious to get your thoughts on these guys. Like Ekblad started the season so slow with only two assists in 14 games, but now he's been on this amazing run. Matheson has sort of been hot and cold all, all around. Like, do you think either of these guys can keep it up? And specifically, I guess with Ekblad, he's already owned in a lot of leagues. He's got high ownership. We have a uh, patron, Marcus, who's keeping track of the percentage ownership of players through our 16 Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League divisions, which is so amazing. He gets this ready for me every episode. So Ekblad is owned. Yeah, it's a bit, I don't even know how much time this takes. I'm afraid to ask him. <laughs> but uh, so Ekblad's owned in all of the Kakupful divisions, which makes sense. Matheson, he's 68.75% owned in the Kakupful, 17% owned in Yahoo overall. So he's probably available to some of these listeners. Do you think there's something to Mike Matheson here just because Florida's scoring all of these goals right now? Yeah, if Florida gets hot, Matheson's going to be fantasy relevant. He brings the shots on goal, not as well as Ekblad, but like you said, Ekblad's probably owned in most leagues at this point. So, And he's one of the better goal-scoring defensemen when it's all said and done. So I value these Florida defensemen. If you're in a deeper league, give a look at Matheson. He's... Uh, you know, he's made some big strides these past two years, and I think that he's uh, one of the better young defensemen uh, in that division. So I think that, yeah, he, he's worth an add. I wouldn't go saying he's a top 50 defenseman for season-long rankings just yet, and he's on the second power play away from all those, that loaded group of players that we mentioned. Ekblad uh, has enough game where he can remain relevant, but – yeah, Matheson's kind of a guy that I would monitor closely. If Florida starts to heat up, you tap into him and get that exposure to Mike Matheson with the Florida Panthers' deep offense, which coming into the year, I viewed them kind of as a top 10 fantasy team. They've been really disappointing, but like I said, I'm hanging in their corner. I'm having some faith. I still think they can go on a nice run here in the second half. Yeah, I'm with you. And hey, uh, you you can't be too down on them because Luongo was injured for all that time. Now they'll be strong in the second half. You know, it'd be a lot of fun. That's like a fun team to cheer for because that's the kind of team where you would want to go like on a vacation to Florida, beautiful sunny right. Florida right now. You can go watch one of these games. Of course, and you have to think to yourself, how am I going to get into one of these games? Well, let me tell you one way, and that's by using one of our sponsors for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek. Because as you know, Pete, I'm sure getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability it's hard to know who to trust and that's why SeatGeek is the way to go they pull millions of tickets into one place you can easily find the seats that you want for the price that you're willing to pay i really like just taking out the app you can just put in a city you can put in florida while you're there and you can see what else is going on we actually have a patron meetup happening in new york on the 27th so i was just and by the way if you're listening to this and you're going to be in new york not only patrons like a listener meetup happening it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to watch the rangers play against the columbus blue jackets and i could go and take a look and see what's going on in new york on that day Ooh, wwe live that might be fun i could spend 700 dollars to go see hamilton i don't know if i'm going to do that <laughs> But yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then you sort the tickets by value. Anyways, check it out. So that's uh, SeatGeek. And plus, if you're a listener of this podcast, then you could get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase by using the offer code KEEPING. So that's offer code KEEPING. And you'll get $10 off that first purchase on SeatGeek. And they have a slogan, which, which Brian always says now. Oh, yeah, here it is. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Which is a th- technically though I'm not sure is that true like I, I think it's a, like someone else sends the ticket I don't know exactly how it works but they're going to get you the tickets that's the guarantee so so you're good there uh, 
I don't know why I went on that rant there at the end. So I wanted to talk more about goalies. So we talked about Luongo. Now Carter Hutton is injured right now. He's dealing with an upper body injury. He's day-to-day. So this might be the kind of thing where we talk about it and then he's going to play in the next game. Though I did hear you recommend him on the last Fantasy on Ice podcast for the game yesterday versus Philly. Linus Allmark. I, I'm not going to blame you, by the way, for recommending uh, Hutton and then him not playing. Like, look, someone's going to be like, oh, what, are that, what the heck, Pete? I played him and he didn't even play. Got me zero points. But Linus Allmark played instead. He looked good through two periods and then got destroyed in the third, letting in four goals. Do you think Hutton would have been able to stop more pucks than uh, Carter Hutton did? Uh, yeah, I think he's a, he's a, he's clearly their number one option. I mean, Allmark's a backup, but Allmark does have a nice ceiling here, uh, especially for Buffalo, who's been that's that has not been the trend in all five of their five game losing streak. I mean, that that game kind of went off the rails, but they've been extremely competitive. They went wire to wire with the Maple Leafs. They went wire to wire with the uh, Nashville Predators on the road. Uh, Both Florida teams, they put up a nice effort, uh, got a point in the game against the Panthers. This is a tough competitive league. So I don't really knock the Sabres too much for this five game losing streak, but they do have to turn this thing around. And having a young goalie, I believe Allmark is in a RFA contract year, so that's one thing to keep an eye on. Uh, but he has a chance here uh, to elevate his game and uh, get more regularity with his starts. I think it's a nice opportunity uh, with how where Buffalo is in the standings. I mean, if you're in a deeper league, trying to find something resembling a starting goalie. You have to jump all over Linus Allmark here uh, with this small window of opportunity that could turn into a big one if Hutton loses uh, some ground with the injury. Yeah, well, don't forget also, right now, Hutton is day-to-day. You know who else was supposedly day-to-day? Auntie Ranta. And now all of a sudden they're saying he's out for the season. So It's that's, terrible. I know. We'll, we'll get to him, and it, it is very, very sad. And I'm not I'm not wishing that on Carter Hutton. Or I'm assuming that Hutton will be back next week. That's not going to happen. But yeah, even if you're in a league where there's goalies abound, you might want to stream in Linus Omar just for the start of next week. They play LA on Tuesday, Arizona on Thursday. Those are two you know, winnable games, potentially good games. Washington and Boston on the weekend might be a little bit harder. But yeah, get Allmark for those first two games to maybe reassess. Uh, Since we're on Buffalo, you mentioned Sam Reinhardt. This guy has nine points in his last six games. He's up to 25 points in 30 games overall, slowly creeping to a point per game since he got back on line one in power play one with Eichel and Skinner. Like, I'll admit it. I had the chance to add Reinhardt in a couple leagues after his slow start, but he wasn't on the top line. Palmonville was there. I was like, "Eh, I'm not going to add him. And now I'm kicking myself. This guy is so, so good. So again, there's not really an advice question I could ask you here, but just to say congratulations to everyone who added him, just like everyone who added Mike Smith. I mean, I don't make myself sound dumb here, Pete. Like I'm doing pretty well in my leagues. I've added other good players, but obviously you notice more the misses maybe than the hits. I'd be curious to know maybe who are your like big regrets that you've passed on, uh, I don't know, but that's kind of a random question to throw at you. So I will also say quickly, how about, uh, what am I doing here? I mean, I'm used to having Brian here. It's a a whole new uh, dynamic. Yeah, do you have a player that you could think of that you missed out on that you've been kicking yourself about ever since? I mean, Jeff Skinner was, we're talking about Buffalo. I mean, what a chance anybody had to buy low on that guy. We were getting so many questions about him the first week of the season when he was playing on a separate line. And the Sabres have done some weird things with their lines uh, prior to uniting these three uh, who should have been there from the beginning, in my opinion. But remember, they were doing like Sheary on the top line before mm-hmm. Skinner. And then they were doing Pominville over Ike, uh, Pominville over Reinhardt. Uh, so that was another sell high window for Pominville when he was playing so well. Uh, so there have been a couple of uh, 
on the different ends of the spectrum for Buffalo. But yeah, Sam Reinhardt has been a great story. He was on a lot of people's breakout lists for the past two seasons. He's finally putting together the consistency. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, that line is number three. Uh, maybe if the Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshan line was healthy, they'd be number four. But uh, they've brought the consistency to the table, wins, losses. It doesn't matter. That line keeps producing. So for fantasy purposes, that's all you could ask for. And they've been one of the stories of the season to this point. At the quarter mark of the season, by the way, uh, with Jeff Skinner being the left-wing MVP that we picked for NHL.com fantasy, I mean, uh, that just shows how far he's come since that first week or two of the season where he, before that game against the Kings where he uh, had what I think he had a hat trick and then it was all up from there. So uh, a lot of great stories on the Buffalo line for sure. Yeah, man. Like if this is the line that we expected it to be. I was so quick. I was like the one that grabbed Connor Sherry in all of my leagues before anyone else. And that worked out nothing. I should have just assumed eventually things would stabilize. It's stabilizing now with Mike Smith and Nets. Who knows? Maybe that should be our advice moving forward. Like everything's going to go back to what we said at the start of the year. And you can right. just forget it. Uh, Jack Eichel, by the way, obviously should get the majority. Or I don't know the majority. A lot of the credit for this line. He's a superstar on that team. 36 points in 30 games. Keep in mind, his career high is only 64 points. He's dealt with injuries in the past couple of seasons. How long will it even take Eichel to surpass that? Like at this pace, he's only going to need another 25 games or so. We're get a couple months from now, Eichel's going to pass 64. And yeah, I feel like he's just going to keep going and going. So this was maybe your last chance to draft Eichel in a fantasy league, maybe in the second round. I'm not saying he fell like too, too far, but I think next year he's going to be one of the top center options out there. Just gets points pretty much every game. Uh, okay, next goalie situation to discuss. It's like the fun skaters and then the depressing goalies. Okay, so Curtis McElhenney is out with a lower body injury in Carolina. So we missed their last game on Friday. McElhenney had been so, so hot. He finally had a bad game on Wednesday, though, before he got hurt. He only stopped 18 of 23 versus San Jose. So that was a stinker. Then in contrast, Petr Mrazek, he's now played two games since coming back from his injury. And he's been fantastic in both, only letting in one goal against in each. Dave Betton, one of our patrons and the host of Stream Scheme, a podcast for our patrons, which is really good. He just posted, I asked, does anyone have any questions for Pete? And he just wrote Mrazek season, which uh, I think this is a new meme on the SZN means season. And that's what people say to say, I don't know. It's like a cool thing kids are doing. Uh, But yeah, Mrazek, another one of these goalies that was terrible. And now all of a sudden he's looking good. How quickly should people be jumping on Mrazek? He's only 23% owned in Yahoo leagues, 43% owned in the couple. The couple people know more what's up. Like that's the number that you should really care about. But uh, yeah, still like available in a lot of leagues, though it is worth noting that Scott Darling has been called up since McElhenney is injured. And he apparently has been doing well in the AHL. So maybe it could be back to Darling and Morazic, just like we expected at the start of the year, going back to that, that they'd be going back and forth. Do you think that's going to happen? Or do you think this is Morazic's net for now until he stumbles? I like Morazic. I mean, I liked him as a sleeper coming into the year. I liked the change of scenery for him. He's still pretty young, uh, 25, 26. So uh, he's been through a lot of ups and downs in his career, but this is another opportunity for him. Earlier on in the season, it was interesting because the Hurricanes generate so many more shots than most teams in the league. But he was, and they, you know, they have one of the best shot differentials even during their bad times. So he was actually struggling earlier in the year, uh, allowing two or three goals per game, but it was on very few shots. So um, if he tightens up his game a lot, he doesn't face a ton of shots. So he could certainly start getting you some wins. And uh, yeah, I'm a big Morazic uh, believer uh, for the rest of the season. I think McElhaney was a nice story crashing the party for a bit. 
But this is all about Mrazek. I mean, the highest ceiling for the Hurricanes is if he can get his game in order uh, on that short prove-it contract and uh, take that team finally to the playoffs where I think so many people think they belong. It's been disappointing. The line combinations haven't really worked out. Michael Furlan's injured now, but uh, we've seen we've seen a glimmer of hope from them in that win over Anaheim on the road. Uh, going into that going into that game, Anaheim was one of the hottest teams in the league, uh, so that was a great sign. We'll see what they're made of. They have a big home game coming up against Toronto, and uh, if they could shock them, maybe that could uh, breathe some life into this team. Yeah, so we'll see if Petr Mrazek has what it takes. It's going to take a bit of cojones to play Mrazek if you added him against the Leafs because there's a good chance he could get shelled. But yeah, I agree with you that I think that Carolina's hopes probably depend on Mrazek. Like if you're hoping that Scott Darling is going to somehow turn it around, I feel like maybe no. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a year late for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you did mention, so Carolina has been kind of struggling to score lately. They have these injuries, Furland and Stahl, both out with concussions currently on Friday. It was Jordan Martinuk playing with Aho and Tara Vinen on the top line. He had no points and two shots. So he's kind of like, who did I say? Derek Ryan on Calgary. Like, you know, if you want a $3,000 play on FanDuel, maybe you could do worse than uh, Jordan Martinuk playing with Aho and Tara Vinen. But maybe you should, I, I got to ask you, should people maybe be starting to get concerned about Aho? And Teravainen, like Aho scored on Friday, but only has two points in his last six games, like a super far cry from the insane pace he put up to start the season. And Teravainen, he also had a good game on Friday versus Anaheim, two assists, but those were his first points in six games himself. Are these guys both just in like small slums, like already maybe even over after that game against Anaheim and good times are ahead? Or do you think there's a reason to not expect them to get back to rolling like they were through October and most of November? I mean, I would buy low on Sebastian Ajo right now. I know uh, Svechnikov hasn't really gotten a fair shake with those lines. I wouldn't be surprised if even with the Jordan Stahl injury and the Furland injury, if they end up going with something like in the near future, like a Svechnikov uh, line with Ajo and Taravainen, that is something that could easily happen. And we could look back at this a month from now and say we were crazy for not adding Svechnikov or not – uh, being patient with uh, Sebastian Ajo. So I think the, the Hurricanes are still on the cusp and there's very little room for error in this league, but uh, that's a line. And even Svechnikov, I would probably still try to hang on to him. He's had a great shot volume, most among rookies. Uh, so these are things to look at uh, during the down times. I mean, I've, I dumped down Ajo quite a bit in the top 200 rankings this week believe outside the top 50 but he's still right there so uh, this is a nice opportunity to capitalize on their downward trend and uh, something that that could easily revert back to normal Um, they have they at least have Victor Rask back I mean that gives them a little uh, you know a shot uh, in terms of depth scoring to survive the absence of a Jordan Stahl and a Michael Furlan so that's something to keep an eye on He, he missed the big part of the season uh first month and a half or so but Victor Rask is back so maybe he can uh give them a little hope as well yeah that's interesting yeah it's hard to imagine that Carolina is going to go from scoring all these goals just not being able to score at all it would be I like what you said about Svechnikov he could be like a second half breakout like maybe a la uh, Travis Konechny from last year like a Nolan Patrick but yeah, that was uh, interesting. And there's going to be someone, you know, that right now is not owned in anyone's leagues is going to be a star at the end of the year. So, yeah, maybe <laughs> we'll be Sveshnikov. Uh, okay, so 
Uh, you're talking about your rankings, I guess. I'm just kind of curious. Is there, I think I must have asked you this before, but I kind of forget, like, what's the method that you use to put these top 200 rankings together? Like, is this an algorithm or is this more just your gut feeling as you go through everyone's numbers? No, it's, I mean, it, to me, it's all things considered. It's not just a list of who are the best 50 fantasy hockey players right now. I think in certain situations, I, I give guys room uh, to improve on their slow starts or to regress off their hot starts. Um, one really interesting example this week uh, that I was discussing with one of my colleagues. So Gabriel Landeskog, with that exposure to McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, continues to rise little by little. Same thing with like uh, Zach Parisi. He's one of the few guys that just continues to rise every single week. But Gabriel Landeskog, as he continues to rise, you have him matched up with you know, Brad Marshan's in a little bit of a slow spell over the past couple of weeks. There's a Patrick Kane there who can't really, uh, you know, the Blackhawks are down in the dumps right now. So who would have thought coming into the year that like a Landeskog would be valued more than a Patrick Kane, but that's what we've come to here. And that's a great example of how I give certain players the time to earn our trust and continue to move them up. Like, uh, Braden Point is another one. He's on the cusp of the top 20 overall. Uh, Tampa Bay changes its lines a lot. So I take into account performance in different stat categories for standard leagues, um, career production, whether or not a guy is living up to what we expected at the beginning of the season, uh, line continuity. If a guy is producing right now because of elite line mates, but uh, if he's moved off that line or if his elite line mate gets injured, uh, what is his value without that player? So these are all things that I'm constantly thinking of. And I think that the best way to describe these rankings are I'll try to help people out with them and say, like, if you were faced with a decision of trading, uh, say, a defenseman for a, for a forward and you had them matched up, that's how I do these rankings. If, I keep, if I'm not liking a guy in a particular week, I have no hesitation dropping him 20 spots in that big rankings unit. So uh, I think it's just a gauge of season long value, all things considered. You can look at Yahoo rankings for uh, the algorithm, but this is definitely a gut feeling type thing and a chance where players earn my respect or our respect as a staff, um, you know, over the course of the season. Yeah, that sounds like so much fun, man. What a dream job you have. You get to work together, get in a meet. Like I have meetings and we talk about boring timelines for my projects for my finance company. And like you get to like decide about the rankings and whether Landis Gogg or Patrick Kane should be hired. Do you get a lot of fun feedback from people being like, what? Are you crazy? Landis Gogg about Patrick Kane? What, what are you smoking? <laughs> yeah, definitely. People say, oh, oh, this list doesn't make sense. But then you... You explain usually when I explain uh, my line of thinking, people lighten up a little bit. But yeah, this is a fun thing for uh, people. I, I encourage people to keep me on my toes with these rankings because uh, it's always interesting to hear what everybody says. Sometimes there's a player where you're moving him up five, ten spots each week, and someone says, someone throws up something out there. Hey, this guy is a top. 50 overall player. I mean, you should look at him a little differently. And I enjoy that type of feedback. I think that week to week things can change so drastically in one hot streak or um, can change not only the current value, but the rest of, rest of season value for a player pretty drastically. There, One week you could look at player one player completely differently than, than the next. Well, and yeah. that's the beauty of the fantasy hockey world. 
that was like uh, Pominville versus uh, Reinhardt on Buffalo. Right, you take him out of the top 200 altogether when he gets moved off that line, but you also know that he could be moved back at any time. So it's kind of a weird thing like that where you try to weather the storm and ride the waves and the trends and everything. So it's fun. And by the way, this is like NHL.com slash fantasy. You could find this list and like all your other articles and everything, right? Yeah, and we've been doing it uh, once a week now. I mean, it was a pretty comprehensive thing. But like I mentioned, we have myself and Rob Reese and another one of our guys, David Satriano, who helps with the goalie stuff. So we usually putting our I mean, I'm usually doing it most weeks, but uh, we're putting our minds together with these things. We're bouncing ideas off each other. Uh, we're trying to temper our expectations with certain players if there are concerns and also ride the wave uh, in a positive way with some other guys. So it's a fun initiative and I'm happy to be able to have the manpower to do it every week because I think it's a really valuable resource for people playing fantasy. Yeah, sounds like a blast. Hey, so if, if someone here listening is is looking at the rankings, and you disagree with one of them, include uh, at Kevin Carlson in that angry tweet to <laughs> NHL Jensen because I want to I want to see I, I just want to see the angry stuff that you hear because like NHL.com is a pretty big site. You got a bunch of followers. I bet you have a lot of people getting mad. You can't please anyone. But okay, let's get back to what's going on in the NHL right now. I got a bunch of like line changes that obviously are the type of thing that would cause a big increase or decrease for a player in your overall rankings. And of course, we have to start with the Leafs who have gone completely rogue since Nylander returned. So last week we talked about how Nylander is going to come back. We said, okay, for, he'll probably get on the Matthews line again, bump Kapanen's line three. So, okay, no, no, no. Yesterday in the loss to Boston, the top three lines were Tavares with Marner and Hyman, Matthews with Kapanen and Andreas Janssen, and then Kadri with Marlowe and Nylander. So, like, I don't think anyone was expecting that. Obviously, very exciting news for anyone who's held Kapanen or Janssen, hoping they'd stick with Matthews. Andreas Janssen, by the way, is especially hot lately. He has had two straight one-goal, one-assist games, 10 points in his last seven, which started with the hat-trick against Philly a couple of weeks ago. I guess the points are bound to come to anyone playing with Austin Matthews. He's up to six goals and four assists in five games since returning. This guy is unreal. Then on the other hand, you've got William Nylander, who is pointless in two games so far. And in both of those games, the Leafs lost. And I heard on your podcast, you were saying how like now everyone's going to say that Nylander's the curse and the Leafs made a huge mistake by bringing him in. But of course, uh, you got to expect some ups and downs as things happen. But yeah, what do you think is going to happen now? The, The Leafs got killed by Boston yesterday. So do we expect the lines to get shaken up again against Carolina on Tuesday? Do, or do you think like, like, and then what does that mean for people who have say a Kapanen or a Janssen or see those guys in free agency? Are they worth adding or holding? Yeah, it's going to be tough to see how this shakes out. I mean, we're waiting for Nylander to get back into game shape. It doesn't happen overnight. He's been skating in Sweden, but who knows uh, at what level. So uh, he's been limited so far. I, I said it coming into the week, though, that Andreas Janssen is the big wild card here because he's the one we're looking for a left wing. We know that Kapanen can play uh, with Austin Matthews. We know that, you know, certainly William Nylander, when he's up to game shape, can do that. But on the left side, if Zach Hyman is clicking with um, – you know, with Tavares and Marner, and if that line is a, a trio to stay, and I know that Matthews has a history with Hyman uh, over his first two years, was very productive at even strength Hyman uh, when he was on a line with Matthews when Matthews was healthy. But Janssen is the guy, 10 points in his past seven games. 
only 7% owned as of right now as we're recording this. And this is a guy that is on a line with Austin Matthews and producing. So Mike Babcock can get creative with this line combinations. He could easily end up going with a Kapanen and Janssen for the rest of the way. Uh, I think it is a better chance, though, of it being like an Andreas Janssen, Austin Matthews, William Nylander when it's all said and done. And that makes Janssen worth considering in any format out there because um, Patrick Marlowe could could be on that second line as well. But last year he had great chemistry with Nazem Kadri, And I think the Leafs know that uh, in order to go deep in the playoffs, they need production from that third line. If Kadri's off the first power play, he needs a good line made at even strength, and they have the abundance of goal scorers to give him a good line made at even strength. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was Marner, uh, Marlowe, excuse me, and uh, Kadri, Kadri on that third line for the long haul. Yeah, there's so many uh, important fantasy-relevant Leafs forwards. It's sometimes hard to keep Definitely. track of all of them. But yeah, Andreas Janssen, so hot take here. You're saying people go out and grab Andreas Janssen if you can. Like you said, he's still owned in a ton of leagues. Or sorry, unowned. Like he's available in a ton of leagues. If he's available in your league, definitely check him out. Try him out for next week and see what happens. Because don't forget also, Zach Hyman is suspended apparently for two games. Right. I just saw this news today. So there's an extra spot in the top six to play with Tavares or with Matthews if things get shaken up. So at least for this week, you might want to hold on to both Kapanen and Janssen and see how things shake out in the lines for the next couple of games. And then after that, when Hyman comes back, uh, I want to just throw out a little bit of, I don't know if it's that I told you so, because it's like, you know, I mean, it's only been a couple of games, but just remember last week, Cam and I suggested maybe sell high on Nylander because his hype was through the roof. I felt like people were like going insane about William Nylander. Like, should I trade him for this guy? This guy, like these really big names. Obviously that window has closed now because two games and Nylander hasn't done anything at the end of the day. Like this guy, you know, he went 61, 62 points in each of his last couple of seasons. Obviously the upside is like tremendous playing with, with Austin Matthews, but I'm curious, like, what do you think about, and I, I don't mean to say that Nylander is bad like I don't want to like people to play this episode three months later but like what are you talking about Nylander's on like a 70 point pace I just felt like his hype was like even higher than that last week when he was signing but what do you think his upside is like assuming he does get back with Austin Matthews is he's a guy that people should be very happy to own or should they be concerned with the slow start and not playing with Matthews to start the season I mean there's some growing pains with him this year uh, coming back after this long layoff there were some growing pains last year too I mean he one thing that was impressive is that his power play point total went down pretty drastically and he still ended up with 61 points. So he was much better at even strength last year. Uh, that's something could be due very well to uh, his exposure to Austin Matthews. But I think that the Leafs are a loaded offensive group. I think Nylander is going to work out with any one of their first three centers and I value him as a top 75 overall player the rest of the way. I slotted him in in, I think, the high 60s, maybe scale it back a couple of spots this week, but I still have a lot of faith in Nylander and his ability to produce close to a point per game the rest of, rest of the way, as long as everybody stays healthy and they can find the right combinations once he's back in game shape. So I, I think definitely that was a great strategy, Uh Rob Reese, who I do the podcast with, NHL Fantasy on Ice, he actually he had a similar idea if you could sell uh, Nylander before he even played a game. So that's uh, great minds think alike for sure. So that was um, a great strategy. And always try to stay ahead of the curve. Once you think you have fantasy hockey figured out, something will happen the next day that will change your mind, uh, sometimes in a drastic way. So uh, 
staying ahead of the curve and those type of creative lineup ideas and trade proposals are really great stuff and always hit us up on Twitter. It's always fun to uh, exchange those type of ideas. Yeah, for sure. That's NHL Jensen, right? Yep, definitely. Okay. And so one example, by the way, of these curves where things totally change, I thought I had Jake Gardner pegged as someone that doesn't have too much offensive upside. He'd been pointless in six games. Now he's had three straight multi-point games. Oh my God. We said last week, I asked Cam Robinson about him. He said, I'm not too into him, especially in multi-category leagues. Like he doesn't do much in terms of hits and blocks and shots, but Hey, like six points over his last three games, I think seven points over his last four games. Like this guy is on fire. And obviously anyone who picked him up is loving life right now. One reason might be, you know, with Nylander back. And one reason why actually I'm a little skeptical of him being able to be a point per game guy is I don't know, does he make it on that top power play just because it's so stacked. But even if he doesn't and he plays in the second power play, that's obviously good for someone like Jake Gardner, who then gets the exposure, as you would say, to a William Nylander. Yeah, I love that uh, second power play unit, whether they stack the first unit or do something that they did last season where they had Marner and I think it was Marner on one unit and Matthews on another. And now they have certainly John Tavares in the mix too. So you could definitely afford to have two strong units. And there's going to be some uh, carryover in general because even if Kadri stays up there, uh, Nylander will be on the second, like you mentioned. So I think uh, Jake Gardner will continue to benefit from the good health and uh, full strength overall of the Maple Leafs, especially once Hyman comes back. There are some good options on that second unit. And he was very quietly, I think he was top 10 or top 15 in even strength points last year, Jake Gardner among defensemen. So uh, he's someone that shouldn't be taken lightly at all, especially being in a potential UFA season uh, with his contract expiring at the end of the year. Mm-hmm, yeah, there's uh, just like the Leafs. It's such a crazy team. They have so like this is going to be so fun. I live in Toronto. I don't want people to think I'm like a bandwagon guy. But is there, <laughs> is there anything wrong with like I'm excited because I'm going to live in the city and it's going to be really fun when they make the playoffs and I'm going to be at bars cheering and high fiving whenever the Leafs score. I'm going to have a good time. Maybe I'll be wearing my Sharks hat here. And if they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals against Eric Carlson, the Sharks, then we might have a problem. But until then, <laughs> I'm going to be cheering for the Leafs and having a good time. Though we got to give some kudos to that Bruins team who beat the Leafs down yesterday, even with. Bergeron and Chara and DeBrusque all out of the lineup. On the plus side, they do have Charlie McAvoy back after missing a month and a half with a concussion. Uh, No points in two games so far. No shots yesterday even, though he did start the year with six points in seven games before getting hurt. So, like, this guy does have some offensive upside, 32 points in 63 games last year, so that's around a 40-point pace. What kind of fantasy upside are we looking at here for Charlie McAvoy this season? Like, I feel like every time he gets points, if I recall correctly, it's because Tori Krug is injured, and I just don't see a lot of upside for him when Krug is in the lineup playing on that top power play. Yeah, McAvoy, I really liked coming into the season just because of the ripple effect of all those offensive options. I expected more out of the Bruins' secondary scoring, to be honest. David Krejci has been a little underwhelming. DeBrusque has had his good times and also his bad. Now I think he's a little banged up. Uh, David Krejci, though, we sh- I wanted to know what I was excited about this. So he had a multi-point game playing on the line on Saturday with Marshan and Pasternak. So with Bergeron out, that's a nice opportunity for Krejci. He's available in a lot of fantasy leagues. But for Charlie McAvoy, he's mostly an even-strength guy. I think he's one of the better even-strength defensemen, young guys that we have in this league, a fellow Long Islander. So he's a fun guy that I like to keep track of. That said, his fantasy value in the short term uh, is moderate. It's not 
a guy that you could bank on to produce, uh, you know, at a very high level in terms of points the rest of the season, especially with a concussion. He's going to need some time to get back to full strength. Maybe when the Bruins get healthy, I mean, this is a good time to buy Charlie McAvoy. And for later in the season, he could really heat up. And, yeah, once Tory Krug goes down, uh, if he does again, uh, McAvoy would certainly benefit from that. It's it's a strange thing because Krug missed the beginning of the season, then McAvoy was playing, then McAvoy got injured, and then Krug came back only a few games after that. So they've only played a couple of games together on the ice a few times this year. So they do need a couple of games to work these kinks out. But um, that was a great sign the other day from the Bruins against the Maple Leafs. Not many people were expecting that. I was very high on the Bruins coming into the season. I picked them to go to the cup final and lose to the Sharks. So I, I, I speak highly of the Bruins any chance I get. But, uh, you know, don't go crazy with Charlie McAvoy. Certainly if he's out there, he's worth owning in all formats. But I, I don't know that he's going to bring the power play points just yet. Yeah, I, I, it's, well, it's hard to get the power play points, especially with, you know, you've got like David Backus and Ryan Donato right. like on the top power play because so many players are injured. And I like your pick of the Bruins, assuming that Patrice Bergeron could come back and be Patrice Bergeron. We're still waiting for even an update on a timeline on when he'll come back. But I have him in one league and I would love to get him out of IR and back producing. He was leading the league in points when he got injured. Yeah, I have him in two of my four leagues, and he was my MVP prior to his injury. He was like the one guy that I didn't have to worry about on a night-to-night basis. Uh, unfortunately, he went down after that. But yeah, the Bruins, I felt like this for, I think, the past two years I've felt like this. Um, certainly last year they outlasted the Maple Leafs and then kind of ran out of gas the year before that. I thought that if they could get healthy and get past those senators, they could have maybe gone to the cup final. I still think that's why I picked them. I think that if the Bruins get healthy at the right time, they could hang with anyone in the league, whether it's Toronto or Tampa or Washington or any of these teams in the East. I think Boston can hang with when they're fully healthy, but that's been the problem for them over the past couple of seasons, including this year. Yeah, and I wonder if, like, it's really hard for a team in that division, I think, to go far. Unless you come first in the division. You know, Tampa came first in the division last year and then got to play, I think, the Devils in the first round, had an easy round, while the Leafs and Bruins killed each other. I almost feel like the Bruins now that they've, you know, lost some games with all these injuries, it's going to be tough for them to overtake first in the division, which might mean that they're going to have a really tough first round again, probably against the Leafs or I don't know. So it'll it'll be a tough road, but some team always does it. It's not as if Washington had an easy road last year to make it all the way. you mentioned, by the way, David Krejci. It's like amazing. Finally, Boston decides, you know, what? why don't we try putting our best center, like healthy center with our two best wingers and see what happens. And it was good. Like, I feel like they're so reticent to play Krejci with Martian and Pasternak together. But yeah, he uh, got those two points yesterday. Uh, Boston played against Ottawa today. Krejci got another assist there and a 2-1 overtime win. Uh, you know, he's not on the top power play still because I guess, I don't know, he he pissed someone off and they never want to give Krejci power play one time. But I feel like if this deployment sticks, he's got, he's got to be a must add like for as long as he stays on the top line. Boston plays next week on Tuesday and then Friday, Sunday. So especially if you could sort of wait it out and just grab him for those Friday, Sunday games, maybe dropping a guy who plays Saturday and is going to be on your bench because it's a busy night. 
that's a clear win. So yeah, keep your eye on David Krejci. And I'll mention a couple other guys. Like I just mentioned, actually, Bacchus and Ryan Donato were on the top power play yesterday with, you know, the regular superstars. Nothing from Donato on the power play. He did pick up a goal and an assist playing with JFK, Jacob Forsbacka, Carlson, and Danton Heinen. And then Bacchus had a power play goal to go along with three hits and three shots. Uh, I guess there is a game today, so I'm already telling you old news here. Um, just bring it up now. Bruins versus the Sens. Bacchus had three shots, six hits. So this is a guy in your multi-category league with these injuries. If he's getting top power play time and you're benefiting from his hits, I think he's another great guy to add maybe at the end of next week for that Friday, Sunday stretch. What do you think? Like a lot of interesting guys on Boston here because you've got JFK, you've got Danton Heinen, uh, you know, maybe DeBrusque will come back at some point. A lot of, like, who's your favorite of sort of the guy, the forwards on Boston that aren't the obvious guys? I I still would kind of be interested to see Ryan Donato get a a look in either if they split up these top two, you know, their top line with with Bergeron out. Um, He's still that wild card to me. It's good to see him getting some PP1 usage. Uh, Like you mentioned, uh, I think that he was, you know, he was in the AHL a couple of weeks ago. So he's chomping at the bit to try to get uh, his season back on track. I would definitely keep an eye on him. DeBrusque, we saw some great strides of him. He hit double-digit goals pretty early this season. Um, but, you know, the injury is a big blow to him. David Krejci's the guy right now. If he's on that line, I mean, certain teams around the league are reluctant to stack their top line when injuries mount or even if they don't have any depth scoring. But I think it's a really underrated method. It shouldn't be underrated, but so many teams are reluctant to do it. Um, just look at how the how it helped the Devils last year to stack their three guys on one line, how it's helped Colorado. I mean, Colorado doesn't have the depth scoring, but they that line has powered them to wins. And even Edmonton has been more competitive lately since they've stacked Drysaddle and McDavid again. So I think that that's probably when things are going wrong, that's probably your best, best method uh, to get through the bad times. And uh, that's where Krejci could benefit here. So he's only owned in about 25% of leagues, 27, I think to be exact last I checked. So yeah, David Krejci is the guy for this upcoming week ahead. One of the best waiver wire ads in the whole league. Yeah, and if, let's say, Krejci's already added, or if, let's say, you're already full on Tuesday and you can't justify dropping someone to add him just for Tuesday and then not to play again until Friday, you have another option to play with David Krejci in fantasy, and that is to play a game of Daily Fantasy on our other sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over on FanDuel, because hockey is going on every single day and that means daily fantasy hockey on FanDuel. It's it's fantasy hockey but for everyday fans there's new contests starting every day. You play whenever you want. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. You pick a contest. You choose your team. It's a lot of, there's a budget. I don't like, Pete, you know all about this. You talk about this on your show every single week. For those of you who don't know, it's a lot of fun because you got, let's say $20,000 or whatever to spend. Some players are like $8,000. If you want a superstar, so you got to sort of figure out which stars you're going to add and then which value guys you're going to add to fill out your roster and then you get to watch see your score update in real time and try to get in the money but it's a lot of fun yes uh, we actually have a keeping carlson listener fan duel contest every single tuesday including this tuesday so you should definitely check it out at keepingcarlson.com slash fan duel but wait that that redirects to the site that i'm supposed to say which is fanduel.com slash carlson both will work so you're good either way but it's a lot of fun if you go in there like tuesday morning and you can play with us and if you use the offer code carlson uh, you get something. This is, again, this is what Brian usually says, $5 deposit bonus. Okay, so there you go. Pete, I wanted to ask you about 
fan duel. Like I really sucked last week in the keeping Carlson uh, <laughs> listener league. So I saw that Ottawa was playing Montreal. And for some reason, I just, cause I, I hear you on your podcast, you talk about stacking, right? You want to take a few players on the same team and you try to catch the team. That's going to score a lot of goals. You get the line mates. So I played Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone and Thomas Shabbat and Ottawa lost five to two. And I totally blew that pick. And then I decided I'll stack Winnipeg who played against the Islanders. I thought that's going to be an easy win. And they won three to one. So I didn't even get that many. I, I had Patrick Line and I had Kyle Connor and like, Josh Morrissey was on the top power play with Bufflin out. Morrissey, zero points for me. So I don't know. I still feel like I'm a brilliant genius that picked a good lineup. And then it was just like some randomness that caused me to lose. But what's your trick? Like how how can people play on Tuesday at fedduel.com slash Carlson and do better than my 23rd out of 25th place? Well, clearly uh, one example I know because you said Morrissey burned you. He burned me too. And a reason for that was he was a late scratch uh, in that game because of an injury. So that was, but that's kind of the name of the game. And it's a bigger uh, emphasis on daily lineup changes. Uh, Whereas season long leagues, you're kind of weathering the storm. Like we were talking about all episode and you're going through the slow times, hoping that a guy turns it around. You're riding the hot hand more times than not uh, for DFS uh, you're looking at the daily line combinations. You might uh, build a line. Like sometimes we record, that's one of the challenges with our podcast. Sometimes we record the episode and then a line changes uh, later that morning. And that's why we always encourage you to work on the fly with DFS, uh, pay attention to categories like shots on goal and block shots so that even when um, a player doesn't get a point, maybe you can return value like a guy like Evander Kane, even if he's on the third line, uh, he'll always have that shot volume uh, to get you where you need to be more times than not. So that's something that you should always pay attention to. You always look for those cheap guys, uh, like a Colby Cave for a couple of games was playing on the top line with uh, Pasternak and Marshan, but you know has a pretty low, we talk about floors in uh, DFS a lot like high floor, low floor, is the guy going to get you a point? But if he doesn't get you a point, is he going to fill any other categories for you? Uh, More times than not, then that player is a risk if he can't deliver in those other categories. So it just brings an added emphasis, I think, to category coverage, general lineup changes, and then also keeping an eye on the lineups right before you, right before the puck drops. Because uh, like I know the Anaheim Ducks don't, uh, disclose injuries quite like anybody other anybody else in the league. Uh, so sometimes those late lineup decisions and warmups come back to bite you. So these are all trends that you have to look out for as a DFS owner um, because things your lineup could change pretty drastically uh, as the day goes on. Even. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you're saying step one, I probably should have checked to see if Morrissey was actually playing uh, (laughs) before the lineups locked and maybe I could have been able to swap him out for someone. Man, I played Jonathan Quick. He actually had a good game. Like Arizona beat LA two to one. Maybe people don't want to hear me whining. He only made 18 saves. He didn't get a lot of points. The guy who won, his name is Bredis Payne. So congratulations. This is like kind of a funny name because Payne in French means bread. So uh, look at this guy. Very clever, this person. Uh, Okay. Uh, I don't know where the uh, advertisement for FanDuel ended and just general (laughs) daily fantasy talk. Maybe we should just tell them we did like a 10-minute ad for them and now they owe us like, you know, extra credit. Uh, By the way, we had someone in the chat room come in 
K-Towny City, just came in, wrote Kevin Hayes, Kevin Hayes, Kevin Hayes, all capitals. And then I think like left the chat room. So uh, yeah, there's another guy you might want to play in your daily fantasy. Did you know Kevin Hayes has been playing on the top line with Mika Zibanejad lately? I just checked this out because when I saw this written, and yeah, he's been playing with Kreider and Zibanejad. That's a pretty sweet spot for Hayes to be in. Who's been the center? Isn't Zibanejad a center and so is Hayes? Yeah, Hayes, I believe, can play wing. He plays. He's played wing in, in recent years, but... Yeah, Zabanajad's the center. Uh, that's a pretty loaded line. I mean, I really like Kreider and Zabanajad. I had them really close to each other in my top 200 rankings this week. They kind of alternate up and down. Kreider's a guy that always brings the category coverage, especially for those season-long Yahoo leagues. And Kevin Hayes had that nice run uh, on the line with Kreider and Philip Heedle, uh, where Heedle was on that goal-scoring binge. But uh, maybe the Rangers feel their best chance of being competitive is Hayes, who I believe is also in a contract year on that top line with Kreider and Zibanejad. That's a nice look for him. It's a nice new look for the Rangers. Uh, with Guys like Buchnevich and Zuccarello have been banged up all year, uh, so it's a nice opportunity for him to get thrust into that puzzle. Yeah, so it definitely seems like I, I think I don't want to get Jade from Average Time on Ice, one of our you know favorite Twitter accounts and made by a bunch of patrons of the podcast, Jade, Lewis, and Ben. But I don't want her to be mad at me. But I think if you're still holding on to Philip Heedle, you need to drop him and, him and grab Kevin Hayes if you can. He's the guy that you want. It's uh, not Heedle time anymore. It's, it's, it's Kevin Hayes time. Our tag wrote in the chat here, I wish Kreider was on the first line. He is. Kreider, Hayes, Zibanejad. It's a good line. Grab any of these guys. Zibanejad's been amazing, by the way. Uh, you know, him and like Dylan Larkin, I feel like going into the year where guys like you just had that, I don't know, I just had that feeling this was going to be the year where they were going to take that big step into superstardom. And so far, it's having probably even more so for Dylan Larkin. But anyways, now I'm just patting my back because there's like a bunch of players who I thought were going to take a step and then went like five steps backwards instead. Uh, okay, let's go to another team that's shifted around their lines recently. And that is the Ottawa Senators who are doing it not by choice. Unfortunately, Matt Duchesne is injured, which really sucks. Apparently it's going to be a long-term thing. He's week to week with his groin injury. And somehow the Sens still like these last couple games, they had a really impressive win over Pittsburgh yesterday, winning two to one. And they lost in overtime today against Boston. So somehow they're able to pull off some points in the standings, even with this key injury. Like Duchesne's actually not the only guy injured. Bobby Ryan is also expected to be out long-term. He's got a concussion and this guy, he's had a bit of a bounce back season so far. 18 points in 29 games. That's not something that we were expecting from Bobby Ryan this year. So, um, yeah. Like, what do you think about the sense of this? I guess I should say what the lines were today. This is one of those things where generally I prep the podcast in advance, but it's hard to prep when there's a game that's going to be happening as we record. But, okay, I'm looking at the lines right now from this afternoon's game. Mark Stone played with Kachuk and Colin White, so that didn't change. And then Mikhail Bodker with Chris Tierney and Drake Batherson. Okay, so the, all the other lines suck. Now, Dezingle with Magnus Pajarvi and Zach Smith. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's pretty much now. I would say that it looks to me like Colin White and Mark Stone. Are they the only two fantasy-relevant guys in terms of forwards? And Ottawa, I guess Ryan Dezingle was on the top power play with those guys and Thomas Shabbat. So I feel like it's just that top power play, and then everyone else, it's probably time to move on from if you still have them, which you probably don't. But, like, Drake Batherson was one of these guys that was really benefiting from playing with Duchesne. Now I feel like he must be pretty much worthless. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, Duchesne was having such a great season, better than a point per game. Uh, Shabbat's been the same way. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know that this team's going to be able to continue to score three and a half, four goals a game without Matt Duchesne. So you have to probably scale back on a lot of these guys. Um, I have some trust in that top line with White and Kachuk 
uh, and Mark Stone. I think that Colin White is a decent in-house injury replacement if you're for Duchesne. If you're looking for someone who has line mate familiarity with who he's playing with in the given moment. So Colin White was off to a good start, then was in and out of the lineup with some injuries. But he seems to be back. Uh, he's been producing a little bit lately, and I would keep a keen eye on him uh, for sure. But in terms of the secondary guys, uh, I know Chris Tierney had that hot streak to begin the season, I think seven-game point streak or something, but he's really tapered off since then. Not really anybody that you can trust, uh, including Dezingle. I, I would probably cut the cord on him as well. Hmm, yeah, it's a tough situation. I feel bad for Matt Duchesne, by the way. He's in a contract year, right? Like this is yeah. his chance to earn a lot of money and he's been doing it. 34 points in 29 games. I'm really hoping he'll have a fast recovery and he'll be able to get full value for his skills because this is a guy that's been kind of jerked around for a while now. And I'm sure he was very much excited to going into UFA. Like, you know, I'm sure he's saying to Ottawa media, yeah, maybe I'm going to sign an extension. Like, yeah, right. He wants to go to UFA and make it big on a team that has a chance to win the cup. I got to imagine. Uh, I guess a couple other victims of this Duchesne injury like one must be Thomas Shabbat right like he's been so so good but there's going to be fewer goals scored that we've already seen in these two games like you said like they've had one goal and two goals in the two games this weekend and like Shabbat's still gotten in on some like I'm not saying he's gonna like fall off completely but you know a lot of his uh assists were secondary assists and like I'm sure a lot of those goals were scored by Matt Duchesne or like the first assist went to Duchesne so I don't know. Maybe now is the time to consider selling high on Thomas Shabbat. Obviously, like, don't go crazy. Like, make sure you get good value. You could tweet at us at Keepin Carlson at NHL Jensen. Get our thoughts. But yeah, I have a feeling that Thomas Shabbat's going to start slowing down because, like, I agree with you. The Sens are going to score fewer goals, and that might also mean Craig Anderson has a tougher time to get wins. Though maybe if today was any indication, and it was actually McKenna and Net today, but like maybe the Sens are going to sort of play more defensively now that they don't have as many offensive. I don't. So I don't know exactly how this affects the goaltending. But yeah, Thomas Shabbat's the guy who I'm especially worried about right now. Yeah, I, I worry about him too. I mean, he's been he's been arguably the biggest surprise. In fantasy hockey this year, I know you were talking about Eric Carlson. It's amazing that he's uh, more than doubled his point total to this point in the season. So uh, nobody expected that, even if you thought Shabbat was a deep sleeper. But yeah, nice opportunity here to sell high on Shabbat um, to someone who maybe sees the point totals, but doesn't know the inner workings of the Senators and how much they're going to miss Matt Duchesne. So that's a great sell high idea for sure. You could fetch a lot in return for Shabbat right now. Yeah. And of course I'm talking about one year leagues. If you're in a keeper league, don't, you know, like this guy's going to be good for a long time. Yeah. Patty mentioned in the chat room here, Martin Hansel, his first game back for Dallas. He scored a goal, power play goal. Actually, I'm seeing. So look at that. Welcome back, uh, Martin Hansel from the second power play unit. Uh, okay, so that's the Sens. Let's go to Vancouver now. They had a crazy game today, and like they've they've changed up the line. So I think last week we were talking about Nikolai Goldobin playing with Pedersen and Besser. Like that's no more. Goldobin was not only bumped from that line; he was also scratched for a game. But today he was back on a decent looking second line with Bo Horvat and Jake Vertanen. And the Canucks scored a ton of goals today. And I don't have those numbers up in front of me. But why don't I just throw to you? I'll just like mention all the players, and then while you talk about them, I can look up exactly what happened today in specifics. But like the big name on Vancouver that I want to talk about is a guy that they just traded for earlier in the week, Josh Levo. The Leafs made this trade to the Canucks to uh, send Levo. I guess the Leafs, as we've discussed, they have enough forwards. It's not as if they had space for Levo to play anywhere aside from on the fourth line. And so, yeah, Levo jumped right onto the top line and top power play with Pedersen and Besser. He had a goal in his first game. Nothing on Thursday versus Nashville. Today, 
yeah, so he didn't get any points I'm seeing, but he's like plus three. So he was on the ice for a bunch of goals. Got to imagine generally in a game where he's on the ice for three goals, he's going to get at least an assist on one of them. So this guy is looking to me like a guy you probably want to be adding for your fantasy team or playing a daily fantasy while he's cheap over on FanDuel. Like Besser and Pedersen making sweet, sweet music together. Pedersen, five points today to my opponent in a league that like I was winning my matchup by like 30 points going into today. Now it's looking very close and I'm going to need Jamie Ben to do something tonight, but I digress. Who am I talking about? J- Josh Levo. I think he's interesting. Goldobin though, maybe is still interesting himself playing with Vertanen and Horvat. So uh, yeah, I don't know of Goldobin, Vertanen and Levo. The three guys were probably available to add in free agency, which Canuck do you like best? I'm leaning Levo. Yeah. I like Levo as well. I think that, uh, it's a similar trend to Daniel Sprong, a guy that couldn't crack the top six uh, for a loaded offense uh, with proven guys that you weren't just going to throw Levo into that mix. He's get, he's getting a better opportunity here. And, yeah, with the chance that Pedersen could drop four or five points any given night, especially now that Besser is healthy. I mean, now Besser's healthy, Alexander Edler's healthy. Uh, the Canucks have a nice little top six, nice first power play. And if Levo's included, like we saw here, plus three, plus four, whatever he was, uh, he has that ability to bring his game to another level and take advantage of an expanded role where he was playing lesser minutes, maybe for a better team. But uh, sometimes it doesn't matter if you're on a good team or bad team in fantasy. Uh, Levo is there for the taking. I would probably go Andreas Janssen over him. But if you factor in the power play, Levo is a little bit more appealing. And same thing for Daniel Sprong, uh, especially with Raquel out. I mean, the opportunities there for him to play with Ryan Getzlaff for the rest of the season. Yeah, two like a uh, little low key trades that happened last week with Levo going to Vancouver and like you're saying Sprung going to Anaheim and both of these guys jump onto their team's top line and top power play. So obviously it's Levo, yeah, Levo and Sprung loving life and it's fun <laughs> to be a fantasy owner and try to jump in on these guys. I didn't on either. I think I still have Sprung available in a couple of leagues. I'll have to take a look. Levo got snatched up pretty quickly. There's a lot of Elias Pedersen fans around uh, the, the people I play fantasy with. So he got snapped as soon as they found out that he was going to be playing on that line. But hey, only 7% owned in Yahoo. Uh, 62.5% owned in the cupful, Josh Levo. Because our owners, they know what's up. This is a tough league. You're not going to be able to just wait on Josh Levo forever. Uh, okay, another Josh. But let's talk about a line change. Josh Bailey, he got bumped to line three for the Islanders uh, for a game last week by Tom Kunakel of all people. And then as embarrassing as it is for Josh Bailey, the only reason why he got back in the top six is because Kunakel got injured. And so it's like, you know, you know, things aren't going well if you have to depend on a Kunakel injury to get back into a scoring spot. But hey, Bailey, you know, he took advantage. He got back playing with Bars and Bovilli yesterday and he, he was always on the top power play and he did get a power play assist in the win over Detroit. Still, that assist for Bailey makes for only two points in his last six games. Or if you go even further back, only four points in his last 10 games. Bailey was over a point per game before this last 10-game stretch. So I'm curious to know what you make now of this cold run. Like, is Bailey someone that people need to start considering, like, dropping it in a shallowish league? Or even, like, I'm in the couple of 14-team league, but Bailey's, like, especially without any peripherals, like, is kind of hurting me right now. Like, I'd really like to see him get back to scoring. And if he's even going to be potentially a threat to fall out of the top six when Tom Kunakel comes back from his day-to-day status, I don't know, not, not very good. Yeah, one thing I'm interested to keeping an eye on with the Islanders, I know they recalled Josh Hosang today uh, on Sunday. So that's really interesting. He's a guy with a lot of offensive talent, not as much uh, defensive talent or attention. 
and has had some off the ice stuff that has derailed his career a little bit um, just with uh, discipline and stuff like that. But I think that Hosang has some potential. Uh, so keep an eye out for him in any fantasy league, especially in DFS. If he's playing in the top six for the Islanders, I think that Bailey will ultimately remain in the top six though. Uh, I do have some faith in him. I think that Matthew Barzell is still uh, working out his consistency with his bigger role with Tavares out of the picture. So uh, these are all things to consider. I think that the Islanders overall have been a pleasant surprise and have a chance to um, hang around in this thing, uh, especially if they can get some of their younger guys up here. I mean, uh, you know, there's like Kiefer Bellows, there's Hosang, uh, there's Devon Taves. There, there's some nice young players that the Islanders have in Bridgeport. So uh, keep an eye out on those guys. In the meantime, I would be patient a little bit with Josh Bailey just because of how he started the season, even without Tavares. He's come a long way the past couple of years, and uh, I think a lot of people have gained a lot of respect for Josh Bailey, um, other than just being a beneficiary from an elite line mate. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Don't give up on him just yet. Because, yeah, you do mention Matt Barzell. He's cold himself. He only has two assists in his last six games. So right. maybe it's just a matter of, like, Bailey will pick it up when Barzell picks it up. And we're obviously not going to tell people that it's time to go and drop Matt Barzell <laughs> or, like, sell him for nothing. Like, this guy's a really great player, and he should probably be fine. By the way, so you said before – this is the crazy thing about the internet nowadays. Like, I'm talking to you. I actually have no idea where you are. Like, you, you mentioned that you're from Long Island. So are, is that where you are right now? I'm in Astoria, Queens. So I'm like 20 minutes from New York City. I work in New York City. So um, that's where I am now. It's a nice neighborhood in Queens. And um, yeah, but I'm actually going, I'm from Long Island. I'm going to the game tomorrow night. I'm going to the Penguins Islander game uh, at the Coliseum. So I'm. it's going to be my first time back there for a regular season game. I know they played uh, the other uh, about a week ago against Columbus. Uh, that was their first regular season back there and a game back there in a couple of years. Uh, so that'll be a fun atmosphere anytime that they get back out there uh, to their original home. So uh, I'll keep an eye on Hosang if yeah. he plays. I'll keep an eye on Bailey and uh, hit us up on Twitter and you can uh, see our reaction to that game tomorrow night. Cool, yeah, you could do some scouting for us. And uh, let, let me know about this Crosby guy. I hear he's, he's pretty good, him and Malkin. It's uh, funny, there's one one league that I'm in. I reference it all the time and on our other podcast. And uh, I have, so it's a points-only league, and I have Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. I took them with three of my first four picks in the draft. I've never done something like that. So it's been kind of crazy to ride the ups and the downs. And then certain weeks, like this past week and the week where Crosby had the hat trick, and Kessel had four points. Uh, it's kind of one of those uh, interesting strategies where it bites you when the Penguins are down, but when they're rolling, you can really benefit from something like that. So uh, I've kind of experimented with that this, you know, in that league this year. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun, though. What do you do now? I'm assuming you're an Islanders fan. You were able to name all these random guys that are on their team in Bridgeport. Not <laughs> random. Like I'm not a big prospects guy. I'm sure people are like, "What are you talking about? Random? These are like." premier prospects but yeah like what are you going to do tomorrow when Crosby scores a goal are you cheering for that or are you booing it well I ha- yeah I have uh two things to cheer for so uh that's kind of the whole thing with uh with all these teams I've I cover all these teams uh so in depth I've kind of become fans of all of them at different times sometimes I make picks on certain nights where I pick an against the grain idea or I pick a 
a great uh, favorite for a particular game. And uh, I'm kind of riding the day-to-day uh, fandom of all these teams and these great players, uh, great young players around the league. I mean, like another a great example, you mentioned Dylan Larkin earlier. Like how fun have these Red Wings been to watch? I mean, I thought they were going to be probably the worst team in the league by far this year. And they're only a couple points out of a playoff spot. So it's an extremely competitive league. The talent gap is very slim. So I've become a fan of all these teams. I mean, whether it's a late West Coast game or a 7 o'clock game on the East Coast or teams that I'm pretty much familiar with all of them. And I, that's what's so fun about fantasy. You can uh, get immersed into all these different trends and get familiar with some uh, players and teams other than just your favorite team, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like to tell people I'm with you, by the way, like, I, you know, whatever, I kind of still cheer for the Sens, even though Brian really soured me on them by like all the hate over the summer. Uh, but uh, like, I kind of feel like my favorite team is usually my fantasy team at the end of the day, at least. And I don't generally play in serious leagues like during the playoffs. That's my time to just actually cheer. Like, so I'm going to cheer for the Sharks, for the Leafs or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, overall, it's just fun to watch the games where I have players in one of my leagues or in my FanDuel lineup or something that I could just cheer for them and then cheer, you know, against them the next night if they're on my opponent's team. Uh, okay. By the way, oh, one other thing, since we're on this long digression, you should definitely let me know like when you need me to start wrapping up because <laughs> I tend to make my guests just sit here, but like, I'm, I'm happy to let you go whenever you want. But so are you going to be in New York by any chance on the 27th? Because uh, a bunch of us are, are meeting up. I don't know. Maybe you should come join us. I, sh- I should be. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of days off in that, uh, that last week of December around Christmas, but um, I will, that's definitely really cool to hear that you guys are doing that meetup. I will try to be there for sure. Okay. I'll give, I'll give you the details. No one hold Pete to that. Okay. He's a busy guy. He doesn't need to hang out with us, but, uh, if, if you do decide you're going to come, we'll definitely have to tweet yeah, about if it. I'm, if I'm in town, which I think I will be, I will, uh, I will try to stop by. That'd be awesome. It'd be great to meet you. I'm really excited. The average time on ice people are going to be there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so I still got a, a bunch of players here to talk to you about. So I guess I could uh, try to speed this up a little bit, uh, and then you'll let me know when you have to go. So I want to go to Anaheim now. You already kind of brought up some of this. Like, I wanted to bring up this Daniel Sprong trade. Like, Anaheim's dealing with injuries. Ricard Raquel, day-to-day with an ankle injury. No word yet on how long he'll be out. I'm in one league on ESPN, and it infuriates me. I hate ESPN. You've got this, like, you can't put day-to-day. There's no IR+. plus. You can't do anything. Like, I guarantee to you Raquel's going to, like, be day-to-day all of this week. And then, like, in a week, he'll get O status when they'll announce that he's going to be out another week. And it's like, why couldn't I have just had that from the beginning? He's in a walking boot. This guy's not playing. Let me stash him in IR and get another guy to replace him. Anyway, that's my ESPN rant. They should just add IR+. Plus. It's a very simple feature, I would think. I Uh, love IR+. Plus. That's, like, one of my – I don't do – I don't like doing leagues anymore that don't have IR+. Plus. Yeah, you're punished enough. Like, I have Ricard Raquel injured. That sucks for me. Why do I have to get double punished by having to lose a roster spot completely? Like, I traded uh, Clefbaum and R&H earlier in the year to get uh, Raquel. So I'm I'm paying for this anyway. Okay, so with Raquel out, uh, Pontus Auberg and Andre Kasha – we're both seeing time with Getzlaff and Raquel like before the Raquel injury. And now like Daniel Sprong's jumped on there and it was Getzlaff, Aberg, and Sprong, uh, you know, in the last game. And actually Anaheim is playing right now. So I could even give you in real time. I use the frozen tools. You get real time uh, line combos here. And yeah, oh, Richie, Henrique, Sprong, Getzlaff, Aberg, and Andre Kasha. Oh, so I'm glad I checked. So Sprong bumped nice. to line two, apparently. And Andre Kasha's an interesting guy. And I think he's got a point today. So yeah, a bunch of interesting guys now on Anaheim with these injuries. I guess, um, I don't know, any specific guy jumping out at you? You mentioned Sprong. 
Auberg's been really good lately. He's on a run. I have this written down somewhere. But yeah, he's he's been on a good run. Six game point streak that ended on Friday. Oh no, that's Adam Henrique. Sorry, I'm all over the place right now because I'm jumping around <laughs> between different windows. But yeah, Adam Henrique's been hot. Pontus Auberg's been hot. Daniel Sprong has been, I don't think he got uh, many points, but he had four shots in each of his first two games on the Ducks. Andre Kasha, I really think he's a really good player. And now that I'm seeing him on the top line, I think he's the guy I'd probably like the best. But yeah, who's jumping out of you here of potential free agent ads from Anaheim? The downside, though, before I let you answer, Anaheim only plays twice next week, Wednesday and Saturday. So you don't want to jump on one of these guys, especially if they wouldn't fit in your lineup on saturday you don't want to get cash out only for one game but if you have room and you want to keep them for long term yeah who do you like here i like kasha the most and sprung the second most i mean out of those secondary guys for the ducks behind gets so uh, they're an interesting team uh, their right wing has been a rotating game their defensemen as you know uh, are hot and cold week to week Fowler's injured, so one week it's Montour, one week it's Manson, one week it's Hampus Lindholm. Very tough to gauge. Uh, the right wing also very tough to gauge on the Getzlaff line with Perry out and Eves out. Um, but yeah, Andre Kasha, I'm a big fan of his. That was unfortunate that he was dealing with the concussion, but he seems to be. Uh, that's a great sign. That's where I, we originally, when Corey Perry got injured, we thought it would be Kasha on that top line. Kasha has a great shot volume, a lot safer than Daniel Sprong. But Daniel Sprong was a point per game in the AHL last year, 65 and 65. I remember everybody in Pittsburgh was raving about him this time last year. Uh, it just didn't work out over there. And there was even something I believe that Jim Rutherford said um, that he want, he thought that uh, Sprong deserved better or something to that effect. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity for Sprong as well. And Henrik. Uh, that was a great trade that Henrique for Vaughton in trade. I think with Anaheim's surplus of defensemen, Adam Henrique has he has proven that he can uh, fill in the gaps when Kessler's injured or when Getzlaff's injured. He's a great uh, glue player that can just keep things going. And Anaheim was a team coming into the year that I really was afraid of because of all their injuries, but they continue to prove that they're a playoff caliber team. And the more I watch that team, I think they'll be there when it's all said and done. They have a great defense, elite goalie. Um, and I think those two guys can really help you on your road to success in fantasy leagues. Kasha one and Daniel Sprong right off the trade number two. Yeah, and don't forget about Auberg also playing, I think, on the top line. So, yeah, a lot of interesting guys there. I, I, I agree with your top two. And plus, you mentioned Corey Perry. News came out recently that he's on track to be back, potentially even before that March 1st that they were saying. So for those of you who play in head-to-head leagues that have a playoffs, if you could grab Corey Perry, stash him in your IR if you have enough yeah. room, have a, a top line, top power play, come back, guy come back just in time for your fantasy playoffs, that's not too bad. So don't forget about Corey Perry. It looks like he's going to be back at some point as well. So yeah, and that's obviously going to be good for this Anaheim team and your prediction of them being good because they could be even better if they could ever get fully healthy. That would be so great. I don't want to jinx it. Like, I don't want to say something and then all of a sudden, like, someone else gets injured. Like, I don't even want to say a name. I was about to say a name and I thought, like, I don't want to hurt their chances, but I was going to say a goaltender's name. But okay, <laughs> let's go uh, to Washington. Another injury here. Tom Wilson is out with a concussion. No word yet on how long it'll be till he's back. Have you noticed that I've been talking a lot about concussions this episode? What, what is happening here? They got These players uh, have to be careful because I feel like I've mentioned like five different players out with concussion. Actually, I'm about to say another one because Tom Wilson's out and TJ Oshie is still out with his concussion. 
So that sucks, but that does leave open a couple spots on that top power play. And yesterday, or at least one spot, but yeah. So here's the new lines on Washington with all these players injured. Andre Burakovsky got the line one spot that Tom Wilson was holding. Brett Connolly took the top power play spot, and Connolly was also playing on the second line with Kuznetsov and Verana. Burakovsky scored a goal on Thursday, nothing yesterday. He's the kind of guy to me, it's really hard to rely on him. I, I, I feel like he doesn't. He never does much, and he doesn't shoot a lot, which I don't like, but it's obviously a really great situation if you're going to be playing on the top line with Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom. Then you have uh, Brett Connolly, though, on the other hand, who is on fire. He's got five points in his last four games, and none of those points were on the power play. And even though he's been getting that top power play time, so you never know. Like You would expect someone on there, just like I could probably get a power play point every once in a while playing on that top power play. Just try to pass it to Ovechkin before I fall down. So yeah, do either of these guys, Brett Connolly or Andre Burkowski, do they interest you? We got next week, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, and those games are against Detroit, Carolina, and Buffalo. So we could see some goals by Washington, and I could see both Burkowski and Brett Connolly being pretty valuable streams. Yeah, Burakovsky is only 1% owned right now, so he's the short-term guy. I would look, though, at Jacob Rana. I really liked how he played in the playoffs, even when he wasn't getting the points. Uh, now he's playing with Kuznetsov, who you mentioned, uh, and Connolly on the other side, so Connolly's getting a splash of that right now. But Jacob Rana is the guy that I would add in standard leagues, like regular 12-team uh, standard category leagues. Jacob Rana, get him on your radar. He's still out there in many leagues. Uh, he's been scoring goals lately, playing with Kuznetsov. Burakovsky, yeah, I mean, once Oshie or Wilson comes back, he's probably down to the bottom six and not really fantasy relevant anymore. So staying ahead of the curve and looking for someone with a little more staying power is probably Jacob Rana, in my opinion. And Connolly has a little uh, splash of that so far. So take that for what it's worth. I think he has a four game point streak, something like that. So um, yeah, keep an eye on these capitals guys. This is a resilient team that has stayed near the top of the division, even with two key injuries. I mean, the way Tom Wilson was playing offensively was uh, beyond everybody's comprehension, but also not terribly surprising with how good he was in the playoffs last year, 15 points in 21 games uh, with Ovechkin uh, and Kuznetsov at the time. But yeah, he had, I think Wilson had seven goals and a six game goal streak prior to his injury. So that was unfortunate. You started to see a different type of his game, more of an elite offensive game as opposed to just the hard hitting and questionable hits and suspensions. So that was good to see prior to his injury. Yeah, so hopefully Wilson will come back and we'll continue to see him succeed without hurting anyone. Uh, and yeah, Jacob Verona is a good guy to bring up. He has four points actually in his last three games, so he's doing well. Hard to not like Brett Connolly on that top power play, but yeah, looking long-term, Connolly is going to get bumped any day now, either by someone like Verona or a Burakovsky or by Tom Wilson or TJ Oshie whenever one of them comes back. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Detroit, uh, we already brought up, uh, Larkin, I wanted to mention that Anthony Mantha is out four to six weeks with a hand injury. He broke it in a fight with Colorado's Patrick Nemeth last Sunday. So I don't know if that's the smartest use of uh, a player's skills, I guess, to go and fight some defensemen. But I guess uh, you do you, uh, Detroit Red Wings and Anthony Mantha. Uh, but anyways, his loss, Gustav Nyquist game, right? He's jumped on the Larkin line. He's on fire. 11 points in his last seven games now. He had a huge week. Uh, and actually, I feel kind of bad. Patron Brad asked a poll question on our Facebook group at the start of the week, asking if he should add Nyquist or Schmaltz to stream for the week. And the majority of people voted for a top line, top power 
play Nick Schmaltz. And then Nyquist, yeah, really blew up. Though, to be fair, Schmaltz actually scored two goals in three games over the weeks. It's not as if he did nothing, but hard to beat someone who's getting multi-point games. But yeah, Nyquist still only 38% owned in Yahoo, 100% owned in the couple. You can't get him in the couple. But it seems like uh, Nyquist has got to be an easy ad in all formats, especially Detroit plays four games next week, including Monday, Tuesday. So you could even just grab him for the first two days and then reassess. If, if, if you're in a league, you got an open spot. Nyquist is out there. Just grab him right now. Don't even think about it. And then we'll talk about it on a Wednesday about whether or not you should keep him or not. Yeah, the Red Wings really showed me something that game where they lost 6-5 to the Lightning. I mean, they can hang with teams offensively. Uh, they're a fast team. Larkin really sets the tone. Athanasiu is having a nice season, a little bit inconsistent as of late, but uh, really bringing the speed and can, a little more consistency to his overall game. And Nyquist is on pace for like 70 plus points. I mean, even that year where he came up and in the shortened season scored almost 30 goals. I mean, he hasn't really rounded out his game or ever built off that season until right now. So he's been a big surprise. And Larkin is quietly becoming an elite level player. And uh, he entered our top 100 fantasy rankings overall not just forwards so that was a big step for him even for a team that many projected to be a bottom feeder but they're much more than that the Red Wings have a lot of fantasy value to be gained we do these team power rankings where we gauge not just power rankings in the standings how many guys are in the top 200 whether a team has five or ten we take that into account we take into account where their goalie ranks If they have two goalies in our top 25, uh, we have their power play rank. It's a really cool story. Uh, Rob Reese, my colleague, is handling it each week. Uh, I give a lot of input to it as well, but it's something uh, to gauge not only just by looking at the standings, but a team that maybe has seven guys in the top 200 as opposed to four or five might get the edge in those power rankings in a given week. So it's some a new thing we're doing this year. And it's something where we've seen the Red Wings as one of the biggest risers in those rankings this past week. Yeah, and that's a team, by the way, like you could probably still get like Jimmy Howard and uh, Jonathan Bernier available for streams or maybe an ad. Like, so these are, yeah, it's a, it's a team that's surprising people. And Dylan Larkin, like you said, a big part of it, 28 points in 30 games so far, clearly a superstar in this league. And he's going to be for years to come. And and Mike Green is a nice addition for the Red Wings uh, since he came back from injury. He's been producing uh, surprisingly close to a point per game. And uh, I actually added Mike Green in one of my leagues. I was shocked that he was available. I needed a replacement for Morrissey the other day. I had picked up Morrissey, and then I probably didn't even realize that Mike Green was still out there. But Mike Green is a defenseman, uh, you know, outside maybe the top 25, 30 defensemen that we've all uh, heavily covered and talked about. Mike Green is creeping into that conversation, even being a veteran guy um, and seeing some – Production with Larkin, with Nyquist, with Athanasiu on the, you know, at even strength, mostly, I should say. He hasn't done much damage on the power play. So maybe Mike Green, if that power play gets hot, he could be even better for you. Which is wild. He has 16 points in 21 games, which is a 62-point pace if he were to play all 82 games, which he will never do because he's Mike Green. But still, that's a great pace. And yeah, only two power play points. Insane. Hashtag I believe in Mike Green is uh, Dave's <laughs> dropping that in the chat room. So you could tweet that at us cool. if you want. That could be the hashtag for this episode to prove that you've listened all the way through almost two hours. All right. So 
Pete, how about I'm going to run through just a bunch of other things that are kind of on my radar. We could do a little lightning round at the end, and then afterwards you could comment on what you want. But I'll just give, you know, just want to make sure everyone is covered and ready to go to go into next week in fantasy. So I mentioned Nick Schmaltz. He's really doing well right now since he's came to Arizona. So if he's still available in free agency, definitely take a look at him. Though, speaking of Arizona, the big news, which I mentioned earlier, Antti Ranta announced not to be only week to week, but now news came out that he might even be out for the rest of the season. He had some procedure and they realized there was more damage than originally thought. And this was a tweet that came out like just before we started recording. So like, oh my gosh, (laughs) not great because we were really excited about Ranta going into the season. And now this might be it. And then that obviously leaves a big opening. Like Aiden Hill had been doing really well in his absence because Darcy Kemper was also injured. Hill though had a rough game versus the Sharks yesterday. Also lost to Washington the game before. So maybe his sort of fairy tale is over. And Darcy Kemper apparently has been practicing and he'll come back. Callum Pickard is there. Uh, I don't know, maybe do you want to quickly just say which of these three goalies, if someone needs to go and grab a goalie on Arizona, which of the three are you expecting to play the most games moving forward? I think Hill's made a nice case. Uh, Kemper might steal some starts from him when he comes back, but that's the guy, uh, Aiden Hill, hearing that I have him in one league, but and I was thinking of maybe dropping him once uh, Ranta came back, but uh, you got to hold on to him as long as you can. I mean, this Arizona team, I have I had some faith in them hoping that Ranta would come back, and I really like that trade. And that's another team that's stacking its best players onto one line with Galchenyuk, Schmaltz, and Clayton Keller. So um, I liked what that brought. They have Chikrin back, but this is another injury blow. It seems like this team just can't catch a break, unfortunately. But Aiden Hill is the guy, I think, moving forward uh, Mm. over Darcy Kemper. Interesting, because I was thinking before the Ranta injury, I thought Hill was going to be the one that's going to get sent to the minors and Ranta will get the majority of the starts. But obviously everything is different now. It's yeah. kind of like when Connor Hellebuck came up when Pavlik got injured a couple of years ago in Winnipeg and then he stayed the whole time. So interesting. Like, don't forget about Kemper. It could still be him. He's the guy who like earned the backup job for whatever it's worth. But yeah, I, Calvin Pickard, forget about him anyways. Uh, and yeah, I guess next summer will be another of the like third in a row where we'll say, oh, next year Arizona could really surprise us and be a good team. Maybe they still can this year. Maybe Aiden Hill will pull off a miracle but yeah big blow uh okay another goalie that's likely to come back soon is andre vasilevsky he's healed quick from that foot injury and word is he could be back as soon as next week so to anyone who knocked over children and the elderly a la george costanza when there was a fire like in a rush to grab demang when vasilevsky got hurt it looks like now it's time to make other arrangements Demang's going to go back to not being too valuable though hey he was like not looking good at the start of this week and then he's had three straight really good starts so good for demang showing that he still is a good nhl goal and you know it's hard to jump in as a starter for the first time on this team with so much expectation so good job louis demang and still going to be one of the best you know spot start guys whenever it's announced that he is going to play when they're going to rest vasilevsky but yeah long term obviously demang now loses a ton of value uh sean couturier is out with a lower body injury jvr jumped to the top line to play with Giroux and konechny today and they got destroyed by winnipeg so even forget about these lines because maybe that's all going to get shifted around again soon and we'll find out what happens with couturier um michael neuverth started the game for his second start of the year and it was just as bad as the first he let in three goals on 10 shots and got pulled so he is very very bad stolars finished it off i think brian elliott might be back soon hopefully i don't know though who knows how good he'll be so this philly team Big as uh, just as big a disaster as in Arizona. I wonder, like, which team's goaltending would you, situation would you rather have right now for this season between Arizona and Philly? I don't know. That's <laughs> both bottom of the barrel. I mean, I would probably rather have Aiden Hill or Kemper than any of the Philly guys. Um, 
I had, and I, it's sad because I had more faith in Philly than Arizona to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Most people probably did. Uh, but yeah, Philly is just such a big disappointment. They probably need to make a coaching change. They're one of those, they're one of those teams that just, they have a nice young core of players, but it's been one thing or the other. JVR missed the start of the season. I think, I mean, they probably, I don't, few players need to be traded more than Wayne's, uh, Wayne Simmons. I mean, Wayne Simmons has played mostly on the third line. I know he's played a little bit on the second lately, but he's not getting a fair shake this year. I'd like to see him go to a better team uh, before the deadline, and he's a potential 2019 UFA, so uh, something to look at for now if you want to buy low on Simmons and maybe reap the benefits if he's traded to a contender. But Philly does not look like a contender. They have one a couple of times in the past few weeks, they've had an encouraging win followed by almost an immediate downfall the following game after that Thanksgiving game, the same thing happened. They got rocked by Toronto and then uh, the Hextall move was after that. They had uh, you know, nice win over the Sabres and then a big downfall this Sunday. So uh, they just can't do anything right right now. Uh, it was encouraging, though, to see Provorov score a goal. That That's <laughs> one guy who could lift their spirits a little bit if he gets going. Silver lining, yeah. Could he play in net? That, that would probably help them <laughs> if they could put him there. Uh, okay, last thing I wanted to throw out there. Uh, we talked about the Habs last week. We are talking about a lot of interesting players there. But I didn't mention Andrew Shaw, who's been playing on the top line with Domi and Druin. And he's still available in a lot of fantasy leagues. He's got 16 points in 26 games going into today. Actually, t- he got another assist today on a four-game point streak. So take a look at Andrew Shaw for next week if you want to have a deep ad. Uh, Montreal plays three times, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, against Minnesota, Carolina, and Ottawa. So those are all games where you could expect the Habs to score some goals. And I'm expecting a at least two points i'm calling it two points from andrew shaw next week that's the floor uh how about this i'll end the show by saying my boy eric carlson ek 65 four assists in his last four games and i know it's kind of sad that i have to celebrate something that should be expected every once in a while but hey he's also had a boatload of shots that have all been stopped so maybe he could even have more points he's up to 19 points in 31 games on the year that's a 50 point pace let's get that up to a 60 point pace by new year's eric carlson that's my challenge to you I think he can do it. I think he can too. Yeah. I think he's going to have one of those 15 points in 10 games, some streak like that coming up soon. That'll right the ship as far as, as far as his uh, 82 game point pace. So looking forward to that. I think the sharks are still going to be really dangerous once they get flowing in the right direction. Uh, Still one of the deeper offenses in the league. Yeah, I'm with you, and I feel like they have a deep offense. They've got a deep defense. Maybe the goaltending could be a little better, but Martin Jones has been okay lately in Arendelle. I don't know. They're, they're like, fine. It's kind of hard to see a team like that make it to far because they don't have a goal you could really rely on. But with Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, uh, you know, th- this could be a really good team, and I'd love for that to happen. 15 points in the next 10 games for Eric Carlson. Let's just book it right now. Pete says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But, okay. Pete, thank you so much for joining us on this like monster episode. There was so much to get through. Thanks for coming along for the ride and lending all of your expertise. If you liked what you heard from Pete, you could hear his voice twice a week to cover everything going on, both for season leagues and daily leagues on the Fantasy on Ice podcast, which I assume is available on all the different places. You just search Fantasy on Ice in your iTunes or your Podbean or whatever else you're using, and you're going to find that, right? Yeah, it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Audio Boom. My favorite, my favorite place to listen to it is Spotify because I, I, I have Spotify. That's where I listen to all my music. 
Um, I pay for it, but there you, you don't have to pay for the podcast anywhere. You can listen to it for free on all these platforms. And I really appreciate you guys having me on again, especially after uh, we launched the podcast. I mean, it's something where, you know, I appreciate your podcast through the years and what it's done for fantasy hockey. So um, it's something, a great collaborative effort that we were here tonight for whatever, almost two hours. It's really fun uh, to talk fantasy with you guys and uh, keep up the great work. And thanks for having me on. Wow. Thanks so much. And yeah, definitely like there's room for people to listen to more than two hours of fantasy content during the week. And you guys especially are covering the daily fantasy. No, no. Like if, if anyone wants to go and listen to fantasy on ice, but feels like they're betraying keeping Carlson somehow by doing so, I alleviate you of that guilt. Uh, yeah, easy, easy solution. Just listen to both. They're, I love them both. I, I listen to both all the time. Uh, well, I, I guess you listen to yours when you record. Yeah, I try to listen to myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fair. Okay, so let's cue that outro music. And yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks again to Pete Jensen. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. You can follow him at NHL Jensen. Uh, what else do I usually say here? Uh, Five star review on iTunes would always be appreciated. That could be your little uh, holiday gift for Brian and I throw us a five-star review and hey while you're there why not throw a fancy on this a five-star review as well it really helps us out and it's free free to you it's nothing uh what else uh we have a patreon keepingcarlson.com slash patron so if you want to check out all the amazing perks that we have that we offer facebook group uh bonus episode every month yeah so keepingcarlson.com slash patreon you'll find everything there plus you help us continue to put out these shows but okay with that i already cued the outro music bye bye see you next week brian's gonna be back i'm pretty sure and thanks again for joining Pete. Thanks again for having me. Great show.